were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Two Day Dream Believers podcast. I am your host, Base Serpent 18. And guys, we did it. We reached the end of the series, which is no. crazy. <laughs> oh my God. It's I like, it's like a reliving the pain all over again. <laughs> right? The pain and the joy. And oh my goodness. So I will emotions. let my two guests introduce themselves and they're going to share the pain with us here. So go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Hi, I'm Julia. I'm Redhead Gleek on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Roxanne and I'm Miss Snowfox on Tumblr and I'm ready for some pain, apparently. <laughs> this is why I'm here today. <laughs> well, the cool thing about this particular, it's mostly music. So um, it's not, there's not really a plot. Um, it's just kind of, you know, I, I we talked about this with in um, We Built This Glee Club. But that was kind of the ending to season six. And they've done multiple endings to the show in Goodbye, in, um, in New Directions, mm-hmm. that this just feels more so just like a coda on the end of it. It just kind of wraps up the, the story, or it gives you a preview. I feel like the storylines have already been wrapped up by the end of season six, that this is just kind of a, hey, we're going to look forward and see where these characters are kind of thing. So, yeah, it it really felt um, like a gift to the remaining fans who are still watching. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, like, it's, it's interesting. I haven't really thought about it that way that we've had like several endings to the show and the one that, yeah, probably sticks in my mind one of the ones that sticks with me the most is that final scene in um, 
New Directions where Will is just alone in the choir room and all of the like mm-hmm. voices of season one characters come in. And yeah, that is really difficult to watch, obviously, especially knowing that Finn isn't there and everything. And I know that like, you know, Will is Will, but it's still like, you know, he was there at the beginning and it's like, oh, it does hurt. Whereas, yeah, this one, is, yeah, like he said, it's like we've had so many goodbyes at this point. How many goodbyes <laughs> can you do? Well, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because... We've had goodbye said goodbye to the show the way it was, and New Direction said goodbye. I, I almost feel like that episode had with the you know don't stop believing and you know that last scene. It just feels a little bit like okay, that's the end. And then like all of this afterwards has been kind of this coda ish, and now it's not so much about like goodbye as or as it is we are moving in new directions in our lives and just part of that is that there's an ending to the story that we were uh, mm-hmm. telling. Mm, yeah. So these, these sto- characters will always like live on in their own fictional worlds, but we will no longer be watching what they're doing. So, all right, let's jump in. Um, we open with, um, we open with Miss Adler. This is actually cut stuff from the pilot. They actually shot this way back when, when they did the pilot. And it's her telling young Will Schuster uh, that Glee is opening yourself up to joy. Um, and it's, you know, one of those full circle moments that they're, they, they're doing. And it kind of brings us to present time where we have jumped forward about six months Um where the uh, new new directions is going off to nationals, and we don't. I, I'm glad that they did not make this a, a, a competition episode. I'm so grateful for that, um, <laughs> and that it is. But you get this ending, and you get this um, in the script. It's a little bit more specific. Where uh, Rachel Kurt and Blaine actually have come back to uh, watch this. They haven't stayed in. Um, in Lima this whole time, they're actually coming back to uh, help you with the the national stuff. So, yeah. So what do you guys feel about this whole opening nationals bit where the New Directions win their next national trophy and become champions again? Uh, I mean, I... <laughs> I never thought they were good enough to win ever, but, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's nice that they win one, one final time. Um, I've never really been that invested in them winning. I know that sounds really awful. Like I, I always was invested in them improving, but I just feel like, I don't know, especially in season three when they won and they won opposite people that were much better than them I was like okay fine but I've I've always been much more invested in them succeeding and improving their skills and seeing how far they've come like as opposed to actually winning but I guess it's a nice ending (laughs) yeah I didn't need them to win either I never have you know um I I would have preferred the story of Glee to be more of of that thing of you're special because of you're part of this group. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can still have success and a feeling of being part of something wonderful, even if you're not winning, but this is Glee and they, they love having their, their underdogs win. And so, um, of course the new, new directions are going to be winning 
um, the national conference. That's to be expected here. I really, really love the opening um, with um, Will thinking back about his, you know, his competitions and just bringing that back to season one. Um, I was a watcher of Glee from the very beginning, from that very first season. And so they open up on this scene and I'm immediately bawling. It was so, <laughs> it was so emotional for me to have that callback to those very first seasons when, you know, I was so enamored and so in love with the show at that point, which continued on, but it was, it was so fresh and new at that point. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like you guys, I didn't really need to see this a bit again, but I think there's two reasons I feel like this is in here. The first being it wants to show that these kids are going to be okay moving forward. And and the the name of this is uh, title is dreams come true. And I think that Mm -hmm. they literally wanted to be like, okay, we started you off in the season at the lowest point for every single character. We are going to try and make this the overabundance of happiness for every single every single character yeah. is going to get a happy ending, even including Sue, and we'll talk about that later. But like everybody is going to get something happy, and so I feel like while it feels maybe over the top, um, I understand why it's there. Um, the just to show that the you know the group's going to go on and do great things. Yes. So it's also a nice well, moment for the, the newbies too, because they don't really get anything and which is understandable. I don't really need them to have anything either, but like, it's a nice little wrap up for that little storyline. Yes. Agree. All right. I, so, Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say that, 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 um, I, I think that's also important part of the episode of just showing here's our closure on these kids who, um, for the most part, the fans reacted to really positively <clears throat> compared to, you know, the n- new directions, newbies this season um, from four. season four. Um, and so getting an opportunity to just say, here, they're all happy and they're going to go on and they're going to be performing and they've got a new school that they're going to be part of. That that was nice. Mm. Um, so kind of getting into the episode, um, Will's, we kind of start off with Will's happy-ish ending. Um, it is my one little issue with the entire ending <laughs> here. Um, Will is, learns that he's going to be principal to the McKinley Performing Arts School, which is great that they are finally, you know, the whole purpose of the show is like performing arts is important, but Glee kind of went too far in one direction. Like... Yeah, I get that they're like, okay, everything is, this is a performing arts school. I'm like, but where are the rest of the kids? Like, I hope there's another high school. Like, right. <laughs> I, I, here's my thing. And I just, uh, let me put this really out and I'll let you guys hear your guys' opinions on it. I think that kids should have a well-rounded education, which includes music and includes, includes creative things. But I do think sports and mathematics and other things of that nature are very important for development as well. And I don't think, you know, one needs to be sacrificed for the other. And they balanced that well in season one. But I think by now they've gone so far off the other end that I'm just like cringing a little bit. But, you know, I'll go ahead. What do you guys think? Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) 
Well, I was going to say that um, I am the daughter of public school teachers, so um, I very much have a bias towards um, well-rounded education um, and things where, yes, you get exposure to math and you get exposure to science and you get exposure to history, and then you also have that the, the sports and all of those other curriculum to really make you well-rounded by the time you graduated. And so I really don't like specialty schools. And so them moving that way was not something that I really liked either. Yeah. I like, I don't have a problem with specialty schools as long as, you know, it's like, you know, if I was a kid and I knew that I wanted to say pursue performing arts and like a lot of my friends have, and a lot of my friends have gone off to performance arts colleges and that's fine because they've chosen to go there. But then if like your high school just changes to a performing arts high school without like you even knowing it, like, you know, and you're just there as a normal kid, like, I don't know how the, like how the process would go if like they'd find places for students that maybe weren't interested in being in a performing arts specialty school. Like where, like, like you said, Pam, like where are they going to (laughs) go? So I think it's fine to have like specialty schools, you know, because I think if you know that you need to train in something specific, you want to make sure that you're going somewhere that's going to be catering for your needs, you know, like if it's film school or performing arts or med school or law school, you know, but yeah, if you're just like just in a high school and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, it's a performing arts school. now. I was like, well, I like sports. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's one of those things where you sit there and you say, if, if um, McKinley High had been the performing arts school, we wouldn't have had Finn. We wouldn't have had mm-hmm. Sam. We wouldn't have had a very large component of the people who made up the yeah. main Glee group because none of them were focused on performing arts. It would have been Rachel and Kurt and Blaine and, you know, maybe Mercedes. But at the same time, this goes back to something that um, I've kind of learned. I've had an issue with the show through doing this podcast that Glee just it was performing hearts of the highway and it never really developed how you can use um, creativity in everyday life i mean most of us are not performing artists but we still enjoy creative things on the side as hobbies as things we like to do not as things that we have to do as profession and there is a real value in saying okay you can be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or whatever and you know play guitar on the side or join your community college or uh, play stuff and it's like that's okay like yeah, it's exactly. okay to not be, you know, Rachel Berry on Broadway having winning Tonys. It's, yeah. You don't have to reach that level of success to be successful or to yeah. enjoy creativity. And so I, I well, and I by get, the way, like when it comes to something like that, you know, Rachel, I think is a big example of how it can sometimes go very wrong in that sense. Because so, for example, I went and did a filmmaking masters, which I loved, like it was the best decision I ever made in my life. And in an ideal world where I had a lot of money and I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah. Being a director would be great, like making money, making films. But then, you know, as I, you know, kind of every year I get older and I, and I like speak to my 
classmates that I graduated with and you know some of them really do still want to be in the industry like as producers or directors or whatever and I said to one of them the other day do you know what guys the more that I read about this industry the more that I read about this gig the, the more that I read about how you're basically just in between work all the time that's that's already if you're successful never mind when you're still trying to get a leg up on the ladder you know and then you are I mean, I don't know what it's like in the UK specifically, but I know, for example, in the US, the hours are all over the place. People are trying to, you know, get actual legal ramifications for overworking their crew, for overworking this. You know, it's dangerous. You never have a normal life. You're basically working nonstop and working into the night, early mornings. God, like, even if you're on TV, you know, these people, you know, these actors on Glee, you know, working like, you know, 15 hour days and having weekends off. And I thought to myself, I don't think I fucking want to live like that, you know? I want to be involved in film. I want to be a film critic. I want to have a normal life and get up in the morning and go back home in the evening. Do you know what I mean? And oh, I know yeah. that I could, yeah. And so when I look at someone like Rachel, who had an idea, probably like me, even even during my master's, because you're like, oh, we're all people who are like in their early to mid twenties and we're making films and isn't this what it's really like? And it's like, <laughs> no. And she then goes off to Broadway and realizes, oh shit, I'm gonna have to be doing the same show for years every day and this is actually very boring and it's like I think that yeah sometimes you can even consciously be like not that you didn't make it but you can be like do you know what I love this idea but because of this and this and this reason I don't think it's a suitable lifestyle for me you know mm -hmm. and that there are other ways I can do it like you know I can be a critic or I can work you know in a different department where I'm not necessarily having the crazy unpredictable lifestyle where I'm unemployed for half the year and the other half of the year I'm basically just like working six till six every day you know no I totally understand and like I went to college and my when I first got to college I'm like I'm gonna be a film composer I'm gonna you know and I I can write music fine that was never the issue it was you know, you started learning about what the industry was and how, you know, there's not as much creativity as you might think. Um, yeah. You're always at the whim of a director. You're, you know, even to get, you know, you're going to have to be scoring things like, um, like independent filmmakers documentaries about sea ice, which is something that I actually did. Um, and it's, it's <laughs> I'm like, it's not glamorous and it's not fun. And it's like, I had to look at it and say, Did, is this really what I want to do? And I'm like, do I really, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, you know, I, it is for some people. I, I Some good friends of mine are very, you know, they're not well-known, but they're really great composers that keep doing the, the work. And a lot of them are teachers. But, like, uh, at the end of the day, I was like, this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. And and it's okay if it's not. So I, I'm kind of just to wrap it up so we can move on because there's a lot to talk about but it's okay to enjoy it as a hobby and not be in it competitively and i feel like ryan murphy i, I get it that's his life and that but and in this need to give everyone an overly happy ending i get it but um just as a little dose of reality this this little i kind of tend to ignore this little thing because yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> right 
All right. So kind of moving on though, let's talk about Will just a little bit. He, we get to see that he does have a happy domestic life. We get Emma returning. Um, she hasn't been around very much. Um, and it's kind of nice to see her kind of as an adult, um, and loving wife and mother. And we get to see the little kid and, um, it's a little nice, happy ending for him. I don't have much to say about it, but, um, yeah. (laughs) I think he's going to make a terrible principal. Yeah, I agree. He's 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 made a terrible. We're you know we're we're not going to even think that. <laughs> we can save our. But um, it sounds like his home life is happy. So, yeah. um, and yes, I actually like that. You know, Emma, who's had 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 so many challenges trying to get to a point in her mental illness that she could you know, have a close, intimate relationship with somebody, getting to see her have the fruits of that um, Mm -hmm. fight as well, I think is really beautiful too, even though it was only a few minutes. Yeah, it's a shame we don't really get to see. Emma has always even, and I will even argue this even back in season one, Emma was always a secondary character. And um, it's a shame that she was never really on the same footing as Will as a main character. Um, But I am glad for her for getting a happy ending too, even though we don't really get to see her process and yeah. unfortunate that she is the happy ending for Will, which kind of, again, takes away from her as a, a woman character, but whatever, we don't have to talk about like, that. I mean, my, my, my whole thing with Emma is that I'm just a bit like, I would have pref- like I would have really enjoyed if it actually spent some time developing that kind of fear. Well, not I don't want to call it a fear, but the issue she had with like physical intimacy. Because I'm just like I feel as though it was there, and it was there in season one, and then in season two, obviously with Carl, and then in season three they're together, and they're so they're like so not in the foreground in terms of their relationship. By the end of the season, she's she's just ready to do it and then she's completely fine with it and i'm like oh well, like when did that happen <laughs> oh my god when like, she was when the did... trophy win for him winning nationals yeah yeah which is ridiculous <laughs> like i mean but uh-huh. even but like even if that wasn't completely misogynistic i'm just like uh, yeah but you actually had something really interesting there like you had a grown woman like at, at 30 who still hadn't conquered that barrier which i think is so interesting and important and i'm sure there are plenty of people out there like that and like why Why couldn't you actually, like, unless basically they just thought, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we had a female character who, like, hadn't had sex yet by the time yeah. she's 30? We won't actually think about the psychological ramifications of why that might be or how she could fix that. No, no, no. We'll just write that she has it. And then when we're ready for her to do it, we'll just be like, oh, she's over it. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I will... They they definitely started it out for laughs. There's yeah. no question in my mind for that. But you know, it I did feel like it became a little bit more nuanced. But I think the focus changed from it being more of being afraid of sex and just more over more with her OCD and her anxiety, which we yeah. saw being addressed with a the therapist. So, and- that's it would have true. been fine if it wasn't for the fact that they c- did completely dash it in the Nationals episode when she basically gives herself to Will for winning the, co- the Nationals competition. Um, so, 
Yeah, I really hated the end of season three. So um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Okay, so um, we this is the first day of school. So it's now 2015. I'm not going to adhere to the timeline too much, except for to differentiate what's the future and what's not, because there's some weird editing in this episode. Um, they took the script. When, the script actually makes a lot of sense, but they took the script. They rearranged everything in it. And now people's costumes don't line up, and I'm not going to address it. I'm just not. This is um, the only thing I'm going to say is that we are now. It's the early 2015, or sorry, fall of 2015 when they um, come back to school, and then there is, um, then there's the future five years from now in 2020. That's it. That's all you need to know. Yes. Don't try to piece it back together. It doesn't work. So anyway, so here we are, the first day of school. Um, all the alumni are back because apparently they don't have to go to college or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but everybody's back. Now, the notable thing, this is uh, Will. He's talking to everybody and saying, you know, this is exciting that we're all going to be having these glee clubs. And he's going to sing um, Teach Your Children. And you're going to see the cast get super emotional about this. And the reason mm-hmm. that is, this scene is the last scene that they ever shot on Glee. So, Which makes me emotional, too. <laughs> like, I mean, we had seen some of the pictures, and so I knew that even going in, and I'm, I'm pretty spoiler-phobic, but I knew going in that that had been the last scene, and... Wow. I pretty much cried from the beginning, as I said, through the entire thing. But that was an yeah. emotional point there, too. Well, and it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, he gets his ukule- ukulele out, and this is a throwback to the end of season one when he does Over yeah. the Rainbow, yes. which is really sweet. And the teacher children, that's really, I mean, yeah, we can all argue about how awful Will is, and that's fine. But um, it is nice to have this little moment for all of them and singing to all of the kids who are new. And it's nice to see the new newbies there. And it's nice to see Kitty back as she's now graduated, but she's still there. And like, you get this really sweet song and then you get, I mean, there is something emotional seeing the cast break down. I mean, Leah is completely mm-hmm. gone. Um, even Chris and Darren are, are just having emotions that are more than the emotions that, um, they have to play on screen because this really when you out of context, there's not really anything that special about this particular scene. Um, but yeah, it's a really beautiful song. I'm glad Matthew Morrison got one more song. It's also kind of a nod to the end of season three when he's saying forever young for everybody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's just, yeah. you can see Jenna Ushkowitz start to break down. Amber Riley starts to cry. Everybody, I mean, it's it's just very emotional. I need to everybody. rewatch this because I feel like I haven't seen it in a really long time, and now I'm really curious <laughs> as to like I I actually forgot that this was the last scene that they filmed. So yeah, I kind of just need to rewatch it, you know, just to I don't know, make myself sad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many takes they did of it, but I mean, it's obviously. Oh, I don't think they did very many because they, they are have, yeah. they're actually crying in this. I mean, there's. There's genuine real emotion here that I you don't really expect the characters to have. So, um, yeah, every time it gets to the older characters, especially Leah, she is just <sighs> devastated by all of this. Um, it's a really, really beautiful moment, though. And I, I'm glad they kept that in there. I'm glad it's a it's another way to say for us to say goodbye. It's not necessarily yeah. I mean, because why would these characters be crying on the first day of school for other people? Like, it doesn't make sense, but that's OK. I don't need it to. This, mm-hmm. this song is really beautiful. And 
um, this moment's really beautiful. So. Agree. Yeah. I, I really do love it. And then at the very end, he just gets a moment and he just kind of says, you know, thank you. And just has a moment for them. And it's really sweet. So cool. All right. Just a moment of quietness for the last scene of the show to come and pass. And it, it is, I will have to dig up the, um, I will have to dig up the, I'm sure it's not the DVD extra stuff about when they said cut and they said rap and that each cast member had a rap moment. I and, know. Oh my God. It was like crazy. Leah's moment was, was yeah. so beautiful. And I mean, Chris was bawling and, <laughs> and then wasn't Darren's where he like. Darren tore off his tie and messed up his, his hair. Gel. <laughs> yeah, Darren did what? Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Darren um, undid his bow tie, took it off, and then messed up his hair. <laughs> oh, oh my god! So. I love him so much. <laughs> but so yeah. How did he get his fingers through any of that hair? <laughs> uh, he just took all of it, his both of his hands and just like messed it up. It was crazy. Jeez. You you yeah. could almost hear it. <laughs> Oh god. Um so kind of moving on. Um there's the next scene is a scene between Blaine and Sam. Before I do that, I want to mention really quickly and we are going to do the script episode in another podcast, but um if you've noticed there's no Hummelberry final scene. Um I'm not complaining. <laughs> I am a little, but not completely. Well, it's but... kind of funny. They have two in the script that were both cut. And like I said, we'll go over those in the script episode. But it is a little jarring when I think about it. Because I didn't notice it at the time. Um, and then when I read the script, I was like, oh, they never actually, you know, kind of wrapped up. There is a scene uh, in the We Built This Glee Club for the two of them. And then 2009 had a few nice moments for them. But um, they never have a final scene like Sam and Blaine do here. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really interesting. That they cut that out mm-hmm. and kept Sam and Blaine. That's mm-hmm. well, that's Sam. Yeah, the Sam stuff is more integral to the goodbye stuff, so I can see why they kept this over the kept it over to be in the episode. But um, again, this this episode should have been two hours. I I know that it was it, it the the two hours thing was kind of like oh they did two thousand nine with it and that's part of the finale, but it. Really, the much stuff that they had in the script, and as much as I felt like it deserved it, um, it they should have made it two hours. That would have been wonderful. So, yeah. But, but I'm also and, who would have wished for the full season six rather than the thirteen episodes we got. So, I'm a beggar. <laughs> well at least you know at least we got the script and like i said i'll we be, we'll be talking about that in the next one but um so it is like we got to have a little bit more um so we get sam he's deflating all the footballs whatever i'm not even gonna get into this <laughs> about that particularly um and blaine is like hey well you know since you're not really gonna be doing much why don't you come and uh stay with kurt and i and um, Sam's like, no, I, I really like this moment between the two of them because it's, you know, Blaine says he, you know, he, he loves being married. And I do like they take a second to say um, how well Kurt and Blaine's marriage is going. Um, but it also is a moment for Kurt or Blaine to say, you know, I miss my friend, too. And that's important to mm-hmm. me. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
I like I, that Sam. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Doc. No, I, I, I think I was going to say something very similar to you that I liked that Sam said no and mm-hmm. stayed back and said that his happy ending um, was being there in McKinley and Lima. And, you know, not everybody's dream has to be New York City, which, right. you know, Lee doesn't always show that. And so it's really nice seeing a another side of success. Exactly. I also think that this was probably going to be Finn's ending, too, where he decides to stay in Lima. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the moment where he's like, um, there's, he says something about, you know, I don't know, like, if I went to New York, that there's too many sports teams. And Blaine says, like, well, just root for the only one that's winning. And Sam says, well, that sounds like Kurt. And Blaine's <laughs> like, yep, that's what happens when you get married. I like He's been say. married for, like, five minutes. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's what happens when you get married. <laughs> well, and at this point, it's almost been a year since they were doing fall of okay, 2015. So it's almost been a year that they've been married. Um but they're still babies, but that's still okay. Babies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not the kind of person that like is like, oh, one year—that's such a long time. Like, no, one year goes in like the blink, uh, like the blink of an eye, especially when you're busy. Yep. Um, he does mention um that he sees um Rachel, and then he also sees uh, Santana and Brittany, who must be living in New York still, and then Kitty, interestingly, mm-hmm. um, who must be living in New York now, um, which is also interesting because. Uh, you know, when did Blaine and Kitty ever have anything to do with each other? But it's still. They had we, a dance in a scene? I don't know. No, I don't know. Let alone Kurt and Kitty. Um, but uh, it's still nice that they, they kind of throw that in there because there's going to be a lot of telling instead of showing just because you they're so limited in time that it's like. All right, well, hey, just as an FYI, we're not going to, like, actually talk about Brittany and Santana and show you them because there's just too little time. But they are right. there and they are, are functioning and stuff like that. So, so yeah. Um, so, um, then we get uh, kind of the reveal that uh, from this scene because, you know, Sam's talking about how he's happy where he is. And um, they go out to teach uh, the next class and we find that Sam is one of the teachers. Now, I hope he's getting his degree in teaching because as also the daughter of Mm -hmm. public school Mm -hmm. teachers, you can't just walk in and get a teaching, like start a teaching job. That doesn't, just not how it works. You have to go through college. So I'm assuming that he's going to do that. And this is, yeah. Uh, Again, he's taking over Finn's story, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, we had seen previously a Finn doing community college, going to school and i think that's supposed to be the implication of sam yeah um we get sam kind of leading the class and then he he brings in the one one of the one genres that they never really did in on the show and it's country i am incensed that we never got a country music week i love country music so (laughs) much and i am so unhappy i mean i I can't see any of them doing well in country, to be quite honest with you. None of Except them. Except for have... Sam. Oh, yeah. I mean, but even Sam, 
even Sam, though, in my opinion, still has the um, like it. Like he's got too much of the Bieber voice going on for a for a good country song. He's a bit. He's a bit like boy, uh, boyish. Yeah, when they did Last Name, that was really really good. But um, yeah, they just. I've never really done it, and I'm really sad about it. <laughs> well, and Court Overstreet is actually a country singer, yeah. um, and I think it was his request that he did it. But I do like what he says here, because he talks a little bit about, you know, country is a lot about hurt and loss, and it's important that we sing about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, if we can't relate to specifics, you know, I always used to joke lovingly that country is like, last night my dog died, and... <laughs> you know, it is, you know, some sad, ridiculous thing. But, you know, there is a, 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 yeah, I mean, there's some, just because I'm joking about it, like, it, there's some really great stuff with country, too. There's some great stuff with all music. And it's just about finding what relates to you. But that doesn't mean that you should shut yourself off to listening to various types of music. So I genuinely don't understand why people have a thing about country music but that that they just instantly hear the word country music and they're like nope i don't know what it is about it like there's nothing more heartwarming or more like kind of soothing than driving like during sunset and playing a country music song it's like nothing Mm -hmm. better than that like there's nothing or just like (laughs) i i don't know i love country music so much but yeah i i so have to disagree with that. But oh no! Maybe come from my growing up and traveling for. I, I lived in an extremely small community, and pretty much the only radio station you could get was country, That's and awesome. it got overwhelming very quickly. Oh no! I could never get tired. I'm See, you of this <laughs> I think that I, I think unfortunately though country has a certain cultural stereotype that goes with it um and uh, you know sometimes that is unfair uh, mm-hmm. so um but yeah it's I I don't personally enjoy listening to most of it mostly because I the this twanginess of it like drives me crazy um but I you know you like what you like and that's fine so and as Sam says, you can still get something out of it, even if it's not, you know, the only, the only time, the only music that I can't, there's just this thing called like, gosh, what is it? Death metal. It sounds like a jackhammer. I'm like, what are you guys getting out of this? Like, cause it's literally like just a, just like, you know, really, you know, that. and it's yeah. like, like I said, it just sounds like a jet. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't, but whatever. If you want to blast your ears with that, that's fine. So anyway. All right, so um, moving on, we kind of get, um, we actually now get Mercedes kind of ending. Mm-hmm. And Mercedes, here's the, it's the kind of the most unique one. And I kind of, the first time I saw this, I expected them to kind of do this with everybody and they didn't, which I was kind of a little disappointed by. But I think she gets one of the most emotional goodbyes um, of the episode where she's basically, she's going to go and tour with with Beyonce, which is amazing. And um, this is her goodbye song. And the song, um, oh gosh, let's remember of it. Someday we'll be together. Someday we'll be together. And I like that she basically, you know, she has this moment where she's like, you guys are over here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to sing my song. I'm going to leave. And we, we aren't going to, you know, I'm just going to go. That's like, I, and I kind of like that. I kind of like the distance. She's like, okay, if I, I can't, you guys are going to have to stay over there because if you don't, I'm just going to break down and not going to go and I have to go do this. And um, there's something really beautiful about it. 
Yeah, doesn't mm-hmm. she say something like that she's just going to sing and then pretend like it's just another day in Glee and that we're all coming back tomorrow or something? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to what the episode is kind of saying, too, is that, like, we're going to go and go off and do our own things and say goodbye, but, you know, it's fine. And and it kind of goes with my thing with endings where it's okay to say goodbye. It's okay to have an ending. We're not going to be the same people. That's what she says. We'll keep in touch, but it's not going to be the same. It's And this is kind of really the goodbye they were most people have like when we leave high school and go off into college they won't be the same people the next time they see each other but that's okay endings are okay to have you can move on to different parts of your life and it does you know even if things change it doesn't diminish the impact that those things had on you at that period of time yeah so so, um, yep. So she sings the song, and it's, it's, it's really, really lovely. It's really beautiful. I always get sad at this one. Um, mm-hmm. She says she looks right at Sam, and she says goodbye. I, I can't, we might say a little bit. I know I'm going to say it's a Sam CD's thing that I want to say until the very end. Um, but this is another one that you can tell they were really emotionally um, moved by because the cast again kind of breaks down as she's singing. Um, everybody's crying again so um i do appreciate they bring back her choir her gospel choir mm-hmm. kind of amazing um and she gets a spotlight and she gets to move on and have her moment and i'm i am glad that she gets to have this moment that is just mercedes yeah so and the rest of them all kind of like hold each other and i you know at the very end Artie's like um and mercedes jones has left the building and yeah. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we come back into the school, and Sue is in um, Sue is in Will's office now. Um, that's where I'm trying to think. Was she? She was le- okay. Rising Sue. Okay, so she left. I'm trying to figure out where her story arc is now. Um, and she's doing other things and she just, she claims she wants to be back and smell all of the weird ethnic smell of that because of figging, whatever. Anyway, Kurt and Blaine come to see her. And, um, I love that she calls them Mr. and Mrs. Porcelain. <laughs> just cracks me up. Amazing. Well, I mean, that should be their last name. Never mind the Arthur Hummels or whatever. It should be Mr. and Mrs. Porcelain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and this is a really nice little moment here. Um, and it's kind of funny because th- there's a, a couple of things that are notable to point out. Um, first of all, remember way back in episode five, and they're like, you shouldn't actually thank her. Um, but they are thanking <laughs> her. Yes. <laughs> this is what that scene is. Um, and th- more so than, yeah, no, you should probably not thank the person that kidnapped you and stuck you in an elevator. Um, it's more so that um, Kurt reiterates that they are happy being married to each other. And they were miserable apart. Kurt admits that he was miserable during that time period. Even if he was, like, fine dating Walter and whatever. He was miserable not being with Blaine. And so was Blaine. Like, even though he was pretending that he was fine, too. Like, they're happier together as a couple. 
And that is what they're saying thank you for, because they are grateful that they have, they are married to each other. And I feel like that got missed a little bit. Um, it is a little bit of a weird scene in general. And we'll, I'll talk what Sue says in a second, but um, I know a lot of people, we didn't get really anything after the wedding episode. We didn't get them really commenting on marriage or how that's going to work or whatnot. And I think these little bits and pieces that we got in the finale um, kind of, it, it, it's not the, the, best or most outstanding clean moments we ever get but i do think it shows enough that like hey they're they're doing fine <laughs> I, I mean i have a quick question like just kind of as much of a yes or no answer as we can give on this because i wasn't uh i wasn't here obviously for the the hurt locker episodes and I guess my question is, if Sue hadn't intervened, whatever moral <laughs> implications that has, <laughs> if Sue hadn't intervened, do you think Kurt and Blaine would have gotten back together slower, or would they not have gotten back together at all? Slower. Yeah? You yeah. think that Blaine would have realized that he was being stupid mm-hmm. sooner? Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, um, the uh, uh, slower? Because he seemed pretty, pretty happily in denial. <laughs> I think it is up to whatever fanfic version you want to write it. Yeah. Because I can make a case for just about anything. I think it's so open-ended. I mean, would they have gotten back together if Kurt didn't return back to New York? Maybe not. Would they have gotten back together most more likely when Kurt got back to Lima? Yes, I think, as Julia said, slower. Ultimately, would they have been happy if they weren't kind of like edged together again? Who knows? It's it's uh, it's one of those things where, and I've seen people do that. This there's so many different fanfic versions out there of this alternate, like what would have happened if um, that I, whatever you want it to be. So that's why you were like, is this, uh, this is just a yes or no question. I'm like, I can't answer yes or no to this. Yeah, fair enough, fair <laughs> I, enough, fair so. enough. I just more see of the, um, is it the episode right afterwards transitioning? Where they like yeah. perform together? Well, yes, but that, I mean, there's uh, that, the Burt Bacharach one is in between there, but they don't really. Oh, yeah, yeah, one, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it um the the episode of transitioning um felt to me like it would have happened regardless of the hurt locker. Right, okay, that's fair, that's fair. So that's why I am leaning towards they would have gotten together, mm-hmm. but it would have been a little bit different. I I do think ultimately I think i had a uh, uh somebody that i used to follow way back when and they're not in the fandom anymore for, or for a long time but they said basically if kurt and blaine are in the same place geographically they're going to want to be with each other that's yeah. mm-hmm. the end of the day that's what happens um so yeah like i me personally just because you know this is their story's always been the fairy tale one and i am so invested i'm always gonna say yes but <laughs> i'm not gonna say that you can't right because you never know i mean like if it was a real if these were real people who knows what would have happened but mm-hmm. it's like 
I, I oftentimes feel like, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but I often feel like people ask this kind of question to validate, oh, they're together. They would have always been together, right? And it's like, we don't need that validation if you believe no, that's actually, true. Uh, funnily enough, I only asked it because obviously what Sue did was so sketchy and I'm always oh, like, yeah. was it kind of like a necessary evil? <laughs> would they have just not found each other had she not locked them in a room together? Like, yeah. did they need that? Like, did it get that far and they were so in denial that like if they hadn't had that kind of transgression, they would have just like happily gone on in denial forever. Right. I like to think they wouldn't have, like you said, I like to think that transitioning would have happened anyway. Um, but yeah, like you said, you just never know. Uh, I personally found Doll Sue hysterical, so I'm not <laughs> even like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. bother me either. But I, and I only said that because I know that I sometimes felt like I needed validation. Yeah. So that wasn't trying to put that on you. Oh, no, um, no that's fine. But, um, I, I also know some people who like claim just didn't work for them in season six and that's fine. It doesn't have to like if my only thing is that if it's a just in general, if a thing just doesn't make you happy, like if a story just doesn't make you happy, I understand that. And I, I, I get the feeling because like quick example, way back when, when I was reading X-Men in the early like 2010s, they did some stuff with favorite characters where I'm like, I just can't read this anymore. And you have to be able to like, be okay with putting it down and being like, I'm, I'm just, I can't with the thing anymore. Yeah. And I know it sucks when you invest a lot of your time in it. If they, if the ending isn't what you want, but at the same time, we have now progressed four years after the ending of the show. If you're still mad about season six, I kind of feel like maybe, you know, it's time to move on with those feelings. Yeah. Like um, uh, Clayne was the only thing that I was even invested like in in terms of glee by the end anyway and i didn't watch season six for reasons i've already gone into in this podcast before but i actually thought that the clean stuff was really great in the getting back together stuff it was just everything going on around the clean stuff that i was like i just can't i just can't with this mid-game bullshit i can't anymore <laughs> i'm yeah. out but yeah like i can like but i can appreciate like a nice kind of um montage edit of all of their stuff and be like this is season six nothing else happened <laughs> and this well, is like perfect the other thing is that it's now a closed canon like you can't change yeah. it like this <laughs> is what happens like at some point you gotta like either accept it or not i mean yeah and i know i'm still like i go on jokingly about how i hate the tongue-tied montage at the end of season three but like Okay, I'm not going to sit in, like, if somebody loves season three, I'm not going to go send naughty messages to them telling them, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, like that. Yeah. that's not worth the energy, guys. Don't do that. So, no. all right. Well, getting back into the episode a bit, um, after they say thank you, um, Sue goes on to say, <laughs> first of all, she says she doesn't really get Blaine's thing, which, whatever. Oh, God, I just, can I just say? I honestly, when I first saw this episode, I don't know if this was like meant to be like that, but I think she starts off with Kurt and she's talking about how she didn't, something about how she didn't really understand who Kurt was at first and then she kind of noticed this big inner strength and how he's this incredible person and then she turns to Blaine and I think she says something like, uh, Blaine, I still don't really get you. I guess I'm just not really a fan of your thing. And to me, that was such a, like, it was as if Sue was Tumblr at that point. Like, yeah. I literally felt as though Sue was speaking, like, the 
kind of not I don't want to say the consensus of a lot like of all the fans but definitely of Kurt stands <laughs> like definitely like yeah which is uh, the- <laughs> I didn't understand how amazing you were Blaine I'm just not really a fan of your thing like there's no actual l- logical reason she's just not a fan of what's a thing what well <laughs> the funniest part about that to me is that, like, she's actually nicer than the Kurt stands were. Um, even, to, oh my gosh, I even saw the reverse of it today where I so I posted a Blaine thing and somebody reblogged from me and I was like, why are you, why? But even says, like, Blaine's sad because of all the times Kurt was an ass to him. And I'm like, really? We don't need to do this. People are still doing that? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I guess that's you. <laughs> I love it. Really, it didn't really need to be in there, but the, uh, like, yeah, whatever. Oh, I feel like I just feel like that it was like just an extra little fourth wall breaking moment for Sue that I, I, I didn't need it, but I felt like it was so funny that I'm kind of glad it's in there because it was just that extra little like, yeah, we see you, we see you, Kurt versus Blaine stands, and I'm like, this is so funny. Oh my but- god! Well, the Blaine stands <laughs> did not feel that way. But <laughs> we'll um, so shout out to the Blaine stands because we love Blaine, um, and Kurt loves Blaine, and that's the important part. But um, we all love Blaine. Who who doesn't love? I don't know. Everyone should love Blaine. Look at uh, how can you not? Blaine will be sad, and that's not a not a look I want. He's just. Even Sue will eventually figure it out. The the thing though about this particular scene that really I think is the important part is that it's the acknowledgement of Kurt's story and what Kurt's story has gone through. Um, he is, I think, the most developed character of the entire show. And this is kind of them, instead of doing a cutesy little clip montage, this is them saying, hey, this is the crap you went through. And you came outside a functioning person. Can go you. <laughs> like, you got your happy ending. You yeah. you know, you got the boy. You got, you know, yourself into a college and, and on a good track. You won. You showed them that you could win. And it's a nice little thing and I, I like in the shot of Kurt they've positioned a little treble clef behind him and it's a really cute shot oh I've never there's, noticed that yeah there's a little shot of a treble clef statue and it's behind him and I don't know I just thought it was a really neat shot I don't really have any like if that it's symbolizing anything or anything but I don't know you don't think it's symbolizing Finn it could I never thought of that until just now, but it could have. Yeah. The almighty trouble oh, class. I'll have to look over it again. Oh. All right. So, um, I, and, and to be fair, Blaine says back to Sue that I don't really get your thing either. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I just love it. I don't know why. I just thought it was just such a, because it's not an obvious fourth wall break in my opinion. It's only like if you're in the fandom, you would kind of get, what that meant the whole oh that's amazing let's and then Blaine I just don't really get your thing <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant like and as someone that stands them both I could just sit and laugh at it I was like oh, I remember when <laughs> oh that's good because so many people I don't know if they were upset about that particular moment I can't remember to be honest with you but like 
You just got so tired after one. No, I just like don't look, look, look. Don't get me wrong. There were moments where I just wanted to slap them both, like for different reasons mm-hmm. at different times. And I think that if I had a gun to my head, like there would probably be times if I could count, like on a tally, that I was standing on Blaine's side more often. But I think that's mostly because Blaine is a much warmer character. So it's sometimes easier to feel sorry for him, if that makes sense. So I'm sometimes like, Blaine is sad. <laughs> Can't give Blaine a hug. Stop making him sad. But like, yeah. I genuinely like, I would jump in front of a bus for them both. I'm not like yeah. like I have no no like you know um uh I love one more than the other. It's just right. I think sometimes right. especially during the breakup like stuff you like I think the way they wrote the breakups both of them more often than not made me kind of I don't want to say the word side with Blaine but they made me feel more for Blaine just in the way that they wrote them even though logically I know that there was fault on both sides but I'm like Ryan why are you ruining everything <laughs> but yeah. well and I think the important again that's why I feel like people you know they get stuck on that Sue moment and they forget about the whole beginning of the scene where Kurt and Blaine are saying we're happy with each other we yeah yeah so, speaking of finding happiness with another person, um, we get the reunion of Becky and Sue. Aww. Um, that's sweet. I don't really care all that much, but um, <laughs> I do quite nice. like their relationship. Like, it's yeah. like I mean that I don't care about it that much, but I appreciate that it's there, and I think that you know it's been there since season one, which is just really awesome and how Mm. sue just took her under her wing and how like you know so many people would have kind of i don't know found an excuse to like avoid someone like becky because she has down syndrome and that was the reason sue actually sought her out and Mm -hmm. like that's kind of just really really lovely i really like that about their relationship yeah but yeah i did kind of get a bit cartoonish towards the end with like (laughs) becky and her like her Helen Mirren voice and like her evil plots and I don't know like Becky became a bit of a cartoon like she actually started off really real and then she caught the Sue virus (laughs) with her evil xylophone and all that kind of thing (laughs) calling everybody bitch it's like okay we can stop doing that yeah um so um, yeah I don't have much to add but I mean it was it was nice seeing them together again yeah so the next scene is, you know, I think a lot of people will skip over this because it's not to their interest, but I do recommend people going back and listening to Sue and Will singing Winner Takes It All because I'm listening, I'm watching it right now with the sound off. It's hilarious. Like the, the <laughs> just, it's one last go between these two actors and it's so over the top and ridiculous and it just, it's cracking me up right now just watching it. Um I found it absolutely hilarious when the first time I watched it. Just it was it was over the top, ridiculous, and yeah. just. And I think at this point, because you know the the Will Sue thing got old by season two, and at this point, it's just gotten so ridiculous that this is the show acknowledging that this plot line was just yeah over the top and mm-hmm. it's like you know some things don't get an ending and will and versus sue don't 
get an ending. Yeah. It's just going to be what they are until the end of time. Tom and Jerry till the end. And you know what? <laughs> I will say, like, you know, seeing as this is the finale episode like, and, like, you know, we're kind of wrapping up all the storylines, I... I don't know what it is. I have always loved Will and Sue's relationship. I find it absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. I've been, because um, Glee is now on UK Netflix, I've been um, like, just while well, I've been working from home on Fridays, I've sometimes just had it on, like mm-hmm. just from the beginning, um, not really paying much attention. But some of their lines and like some of their scenes and just the drama. I absolutely revel in Will and Sue content, the hair jokes, the butchin jokes, everything. Like I'll, I will never get tired of the, of the, um, of the hair jokes, you know, like, Oh, I thought that I, you know, smelt, um, cookies wafting from the ovens of the elves that live in your hair and all that kind of stuff you know oh they've got a monstrous cell on Depp you know Depp is a hair gel like I live for all of those moments so I'm like I will always appreciate more Will and Sue even if it turns into like a cartoonish mess I'm like no that that level of cartoonishness can stay for me I love them (laughs) I think even as the storyline got tired I mean I got more tired of let's get Brie in here and do absolutely nothing. And uh-huh. let's try and do, you know, or even let's, you know, Sue's taking over vocal adrenaline in season six. It did get tiring, but I, these two actors have a great antagonistic chemistry together mm-hmm. and they continue to be, I mean, Jane Lynch is just a, an excellent comedian and Matthew Morrison can hold his own with her. And it's it's a great pairing in that re- regard. Um, I like the ending here because, like, they don't say it. They sing. She stops him before, they, you know, he says anything to begin. And so they sing the song together. And then at the end, he just, she just puts a finger over his mouth and walks away. And it, it, it's hilarious. But it also kind of signifies this whole, like, all of these stories are going to get an ending. But this isn't. We're just going to let it be what it is. And... This is what it is, and it's kind of a neat thing. So, um, so yeah. And then we get Sue's flash forward to five years later, um, which is the first five years later later that we get. <sighs> <laughs> okay. Um, the thing about this, this is the 2016 election. This is 2020 election, 2020 election. And uh, oh my I god! I really wish that this was reality. Yeah. I would take Sue. Any I, would, day. I I just keep thinking about how back when they were making this episode that the most absurd combination that they thought was Jeb Bush and Sue. Like yeah, having Trump was even more out of a possible reality that not even Glee could comprehend it. No, which is. Astonishing. Well, the Simpsons and yet, did. Here but we are. <laughs> I mean, the fact that, like, if it was 2020 and Jeb Bush was getting reelected, fine. I would have been I, not at all liking the Bushes, but uh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, we don't need to get That's... into American politics, but I no, would rather have a president. Sylvester. I mean, yeah, that would be, that would be, um, I don't <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you know, she she went for principal and got Dave Karofsky kicked out of school. So, I don't know. Maybe she'd do some good. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. She'd be much better than the politicians there now. She'd actually um, get I mean, shit I mean, done. It is amusing to think of her, you know, her against the Taliban or something like that. With, oh, my God. God. 
Thing he would just fix terrorism within like a week. <laughs> and, you know, and, <laughs> the thing that cracks me up, and I don't understand fully how it works, is that they've got this, they got Geraldo back and the, the Fox News stuff back. And the fact is that Glee was on the Fox network. Mm-hmm. And that there's such a difference between what the Fox like network, television network was doing versus what their news division is doing. I don't know how it must be run differently, but under the same umbrella, I don't know. I don't know how this works. Somebody should explain this to me, but um, I think there's just a hilarious bit of irony how Glee is a progressive, you know, was a progressive show. And then they still were able to grab Fox news because it was under the umbrella of the Fox network, which the show was on. And I, you know, and it's interesting that Geraldo is actually there because Geraldo is a Fox News pundit, and whatever I don't know. It's just all sorts of weird. You got me. I have no idea. But I, I anyway, we don't need to think about Sue's future. But that's the thing. I mean, I wanted Sue to end up in jail at the end of it, and I'm like, you know, that's the thing is that everybody got a happy ending, including Sue. Like mm-hmm. America didn't get a happy ending, but Sue did. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, Sue's not evil. Like, there's no reason why she should not have a, you know, semi decent ending. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so moving on, we get our last clean scene. We're on our last actual clean, just the two of them scene. It's um, so great. <laughs> So we get the two of them. They're both wearing outfits that they've worn in earlier seasons. I, we all know that half sweater from season three. Um, and we're at Kurt's locker. His his locker, his time capsule locker, where, you know, again, it's one of those, we're not going to do a clip show, but hey, remember Rocky Horror and this, and remember this, and remember the the gu- bubblegum wrapper from that cut That's scene canon. in that Christmas episode? <laughs> it's canon now, bitches. Uh, <laughs> I love how they just kind of were like, no, we assume enough people have seen this now that people won't question where this came from. And like either that or the people that care have stopped watching now. There, <laughs> there were so few people watching by that point. But yeah, there really wasn't anybody watching. Um, but it was, is, the ones that were still watching would have caught that reference, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. This scene is just like, you know, we've, I think you guys have mentioned a couple of times how, you know, Kurt and Blaine have kind of felt a bit off with each other in recent times, you know, like, like in season five, they, they may be happy, but they're not completely. And, you know, obviously they've been getting together this whole season and just this scene, they just feel so at ease. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's no fear that they're about to have an argument or that something's going to go wrong. And, you know, just, I don't know, seeing them both so content. And then obviously, you know, I'm sure you're going to go into it, but you know, Blaine's like giggle and his like, and like just the tears in his eyes. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like they're just so in love with each other. It makes me feel ill. <laughs> just like, it's so great. Yeah. It's, it's so nice that they get that because I would have liked the one thing that we don't really get is a kind of a looking forward uh, moment between the two of them. We're like, okay, the now we're that we're married and we're going to live happily ever after whatever they don't reflect on their future they reflect on their past um 
Which is, it's fine. I mean, it's good for the finale and you're wrapping things up and you want to reflect on the journey that you've been on. It would have been nice post-wedding for them to have a conversation about, you know, their future plans together as a married couple. Um, And that's more of the fault of the stuff that we're going to see in the flash forward. But, um, but yeah, this works and it's sweet. And it is, like you said, it is nice to see them very at ease with each other. There's no, none of that, you know. Yeah. And just like... And it feels so, I don't know, like, it feels so them, like, the dialogue and just how kind of, like, you know, Blaine just starts laughing because, like, you know, Kurt has all this junk in his locker, like, his gargoyle heels and, like, everything in that locker is... Like you could have, you couldn't have made a capsule that was more like her if you tried. And like the fact that everything in there is like what made him fall in love with Kurt, like from the very beginning. And he's just so happy that he just starts laughing. And I just absolutely love it. And that, that he says, you know, you're the only person I know that would actually do something like this. And that's why I love you so much. And it, it's such a lovely scene. And to see Kurt kind mm-hmm. of like, emotionally open again as well like and there and just kind of like yeah like I love you too silly and I read somewhere I don't know if this is true because you know what's true um but uh was the this kiss was ad-libbed apparently I don't know oh, if it was we'll, oh. we'll get into this super oh, okay. the script oh, oh um, sorry because, <laughs> no 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 you're fine I'll, a little tease here for the script stuff they were actually scripted to kiss not here um, but they were scripted to kiss in um, in one of the flash forward scenes, mm-hmm. and it was weird. It was right before they are like right at the end of the like stuff with kids, and I'm like, why would you be like making out with your husband? You know, in an elementary school, it just doesn't. <laughs> okay, it doesn't make sense. So I understand they, it's if it, it's more appropriate here. Um, I do want to point out that they get a nice little kiss here in the halls of McKinley. Where yeah. they couldn't <laughs> where have done Kurt it before. Been pushed into yeah. Where Kurt had been, oh my god, he's probably been pushed into that very locker. That is oh, I can't, I can't. And like the fact that lockers, like I don't like it's not like a thing for them, but the fact that like Kurt kind of started to fall in love with Blaine, looking up at his picture in his locker as well yes. in that very locker, and now it's filled with stuff that they both remember. Like that's just. Mm-hmm amazing to me i also just kind of like it makes me really happy that i think they shot this on darren's birthday because i've seen like pictures of him with a cake (laughs) just like that makes me so happy i don't know why yeah (laughs) didn't even get Um, a off. bless him (laughs) i i like that the stage directions literally say he needs to laugh and cry at the same time and i can imagine darren looking at it like what the hell is this but anyway he does um, it so well though like it's so like it it's so weird to me because sometimes there are moments where you're like no this does feel you know like even though darren and chris i think are some of the best actors that are in the show like it still is like oh okay that feels a bit scripted this weirdly enough when i first watched it i was like this almost feels like it could have been ad-libbed like there's it's so it's very clearly Kurt and Blaine, but I do feel like there's so much more of Darren and Chris relaxing into the lines here that it almost feels like it could be Darren and Chris, but you can still tell it's Kurt and Blaine. It felt so natural the way that they were acting it. And like that little cry laugh, like I thought it sounded real. Like it didn't sound like it was kind of a, a weird stage direction. I thought it was really good. 
Well, and I would like to just clarify Darren and Chris being improv, <laughs> doing improv. There's a yeah. word that's longer <laughs> than I cannot say. You can make fun of me later for it. Um, as Kurt and Blaine, like they know these characters so well yeah. now that they yeah. can easily slip into it. And it's not because I do want to reiterate, like Chris and Darren are not Kurt and Blaine and there are very, very huge differences in yeah, those exactly. guys' personalities. Exactly. So um so yeah like this there's an ease between it and they're so comfortable in playing these characters that they are able to you know make a moment to feel real and feel relaxed and they really do and i definitely felt the same in the in the elevator scene like i think you guys also probably probably discussed this but i when i first watched i was like that that was yeah yeah, i was like this this feels and again very clearly not darren and chris because like you said like you know, I mean, we've seen that famous clip of Darren transforming into Blaine, oh, no. and, it's and, it, and, and it scares me. <laughs> like, so you, you definitely know that there's different, but because we also know Darren and Chris's body language and their voices so well, like when I watch the scene of them in the elevator and them playing celebrity and stuff, I'm like, no, this literally could be Darren and Chris. I'm like, this is absolutely insane how relaxed they are and how improv like this feels. And mm-hmm. so I'm glad to know that that was actually kind of improv as well. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, this is another one of those moments where I'm like. I think season six, they either they were so tired or they were just like so 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 comfortable, like you say, in their roles that they're like, yeah, like we can like let a let a bit of ourselves like slip through into that. I I quite well, like that, you but know. But I, I think. also think it is, you know, uh, an overall knowing that their characters are supposed to be more emotionally open yeah. and available mm-hmm. to each other, and yes. therefore more available to us as well as the audience. Yeah, rather yeah. than having an undercurrent of tension. That yeah. follows them at the beginning of season six and at the end of season five as well. Yeah. Right. So there's I really n- think that there's, you know, probably some underlying direction that was going on behind the scenes that's not in the scripts, but is saying, yeah, now you can be that character and open and flowing with everything. Right. Um, they're happily married and on the same page again. And this this scene, like I said, I wish we had more of it at post-wedding. We don't really get more. But this scene is just, you know, this is their dynamic. They're happy with each other and at ease. Mm-hmm. And, like, just very loving. And it's it's nice to see Kurt just being genuinely happy in a way that he hasn't seen in a long time. It's nice that, you know, just Blaine looks adoringly at Kurt in the way he hasn't done in a long time. It just, oh. It's just incredibly... <laughs> mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, I honestly yes. just love uh, just these two. I could, I just can't. <laughs> I can't, like, I do you know what? Like, I don't think I'll ever get fatigued by this ship. Like, there are some ships that you're like, mm-hmm. eh, and then there are the ones that stay, you know, like you've got mm-hmm. like the five, six that will just stay. And I'm just like, that's why I'm like here at like midnight after doing a 10 hour shift at my restaurant like talking about curtain blank because i'm like ah oh, they right? still after Four all these years, years later they're all these oh, years yeah. like i would do anything for them to do like a five years later spin-off i know leah would do it in a heartbeat so i'm like well chris won't you won't <laughs> yeah. well maybe if they paid him enough money you never know I- <laughs> No, he said no money will get me to do that. But I will say if Taika Waititi did it, as he was, he was the creative force behind it, maybe. <laughs> maybe um, he's got to write and direct it himself. That would give him the power he wants. Maybe. Yeah, that, maybe. that might be I, the, the tie. I think the, that the, he, the, he needs more time and space. And I get it. And that's a yes. whole other conversation that we will save for later. But yeah. um, 
I, a couple of scenes before we move, or a couple of things before we move on from the scene. Um, one that that we get the clean score that we haven't gotten in a while actually um, plays over it, so we it's a little mm-hmm. that little clean theme that we're so used to gets to play that over it. A little emotional um, tug. Yep. Um, and their last um, spoken dialogue to each other in the entire series because they do not speak to each other again <laughs> for the rest of the series um, for the last twenty minutes um, is "I love you" and "I love you too." That like just tells my heart into the street. Why don't you? <laughs> it would be Perfect. less painful. <laughs> uh, so I, when I did the meta for this, because I did my Kurt meta series, and when I was wrapping this up, it really hit me. Um, and when I was writing the scene, I I did start crying. I was like, "This is so emotional. This last moment. Mm-hmm. This is the last clean moment that we really get." I know we're gonna get some more cleanish stuff in the in this last twenty minutes, but this is their last moment of them together and um god i just wanted to you know roll in more and i wish there was more and but you know there's only so much time and so much story and and like you know they're gonna go on and be happy and they're gonna get their happily ever after but this is a way of saying you know we conquered high school and kurt's way of saying we i conquered high school and all of that bad stuff you know led to something good and you know Blaine's all wrapped up, and Blaine got something happy too, and it's you know it's very sweet. So, all right. Yes. So um, we get a shot of them, and I like this a little bit too. They get you get a shot of them moving to like they're they're back in New York. Um, even those those turntable the turn thingy styles are not um, New York subway stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they're holding hands. I like that they hold hands. They're holding hands. Um, if Snarky was here, she'd talk about the hand meta. Um, oh, do you know what? Okay, I'm just going to get this out now because <laughs> I like it because it's them. And I'm like, okay, I will tolerate this. But I have a huge thing about people who hold hands in situations <laughs> where it is not <laughs> convenient. Where you're not being You are taking up the entire street. I am so ready to toss you into the traffic. Just <laughs> let go and walk single file. For fuck's sake. <laughs> You don't even have to let go hands. I just fucking. <laughs> oh my god! Your relationship is not important enough to like stop me from going about my day. Now move. So yeah, I am one of those people, unfortunately. But Kurt and Blaine get a pass because <laughs> they so didn't funny. seem to be an obstruction, and they're adorable. So it's I do like that the moment they're they're showing them hold hands, but there's also an unintentional butt shot too. So shout out to all the people that like butts. Um, because <laughs> you can see their butts. Um, because I'm like five. All right. So I, the thing that's really neat about the escalator, um, is we do get the five year change and we'll talk about their changes in a second. It all on the background, it also changes the sign when it does five years later, um, to Jane Austen sings, which Jane is going to be the thing. Oh, also the bike in the scene in the front, in the foreground, it's still there. It's changed there for five years. It's a really <laughs> funny visual joke. There are a lot of like issues with some of the production of this episode, which I'll talk about a big one and coming up. But this cracked me up. You're so focused on everything else, you don't notice it. But there's a bike in the foreground of it when they get on the escalator the first time. And as it crosses it, the bike gets old. It's aged five years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Check that out next time you watch the there. scene. It's just written in the in the wheels are you know stolen. Anyway, we get um, it is now 2020, which let me remind you guys this is next year. Um, 
And we learn about curtain blinds. Well, first, we've got the fashion here of 2020. And oh my God. Um, um, <laughs> look. I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Like if like it still feels like them, but it's I'm not I'm not a bit yeah I don't know. It's, I mean maybe if they went like 15 years in the future. Now I will say it feels um, too soon, but it feels there. Uh, Kurt's only oh it doesn't look like he's aged at all, so they didn't really age them very much. Blaine, this is hilarious. Blaine's haircut in this looks like my dad's, and I can't unsee <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> Blaine looks like, like Johnny Bravo in this scene, I feel like. His hair is like, he's doing something ridiculous. And I know I've been saying for years that all I wanted was his curls back, but I meant his season two curls. I know. I, I think this was um, this was them saying, okay, we're going to give you less gel. And they went with this. <laughs> they went with a blow dry. <laughs> Zoom. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um there is a lady in the background trying to get around them on the escalator and she doesn't look happy. So there you go. That's me. Um, I was actually a cameo. In this <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but that's me. Oh my god. But they are adorable. <laughs> I love that I do love the the one thing I do like about the hand holding both in the past and the future is so Kurt takes the lead on it. And, um, I'm going to tell a little personal story. Um, when I, I went to San Francisco, uh, when I was a teenager and my best friend and I did, it was after, right after high school and we went out and we were on this bus, the city bus. And we, I don't know where we were going, but we saw two couples that really stood out to me. And the first was this couple, they were on, they were across from us and they were like making out, like just tongues down each other's throats and it was like oh okay and then there was this other couple that was standing at the pole and the, they were lightly holding hands and it was a guy and a girl and the guy was holding on to the pole and he they lightly had laced hands and the girl um had her chin on his shoulder but it was she was behind him so it was like her his back was to her and it was so like sweet and like in my friend with that was with me, and I'm, we were talking about these couples, and she's like, "Well, yeah, it was so hot that those two people were like just making out." And I'm like, "No, to be that other couple, this was like really did something more for me because it was such a sweet and beautiful and quiet moment that like mm-hmm. he he's taking care of her and she's got his back, and like that moment always has stuck with me. And I I, I kind of attri- you know tribute yeah. that to Cart Blaine here that you know they don't need to say anything; they just you know, are there for each other and they're, you know, I don't know. I mean, how far to come, you know, from season two, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like there are people that will probably fall on either side of the fence with this. And I don't even know where I stand myself, but the fact that, you know, Blaine was very much the one taking the lead on the hand holding when he, like, even when he met Carl, he's on the ground, his hand and ran down the hallway. And now it's kind of, the, you know the role like I don't want to say like the tables have turned but like it almost feels maybe like they have a bit like you know cut I think Kurt probably was always destined to maybe fulfill the role of someone that was kind of the one charging forward like but I don't but it's 
it's funny to me that that's so the polar opposite of where they began, you know, that Kurt was kind of the one that was in awe and Blaine was the confident leader and Kurt was just kind of happy to, you know, just like Mm -hmm. go along with whatever. And I honestly like both versions. I think obviously when they aged Blaine down, it kind of affected that dynamic. But I, yeah, it is interesting that now Kurt having come into his own and grown, like, you know, he physically looks different. He, you know, his his attitude is different and you know he is much more of a man now so i guess that and important and bigger than blaine as well <laughs> like, you know, like, like yeah like he wasn't bigger yeah but i feel like he's probably i don't know at this point he was probably wider and everything he would just felt like a larger person i don't know so i guess like it's just funny yeah. this the stuff that they did to chris that the the, the um, the costumes they put Carson for Kurt at the the five years makes him look so thin, and and it's just kind of a trick of the eye because I he wasn't any more or less bigger than Darren at the time, so like it's just weird at like how much taller and slender he seems when mm. it's just a trick of the costuming because I get and also they had um, Darren wearing some bulky things as as Blaine, but um, yes. yeah, I don't know, it's just several it's, layers. It's, yeah, so it's just a trick of the eye, but um, yeah. it's kind of an interesting thing. So mm-hmm. we get a little bit of information about what they have been doing um, in just five years. In just five we years, all feel like losers. I feel like a loser. Remind <laughs> me what they do for uh, for for work again, because I always well, forget. They're performing this. arts, um, and they go into it more in the script about how Kurt has a fashion line and and Blaine's writing plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this in the actual episode, um, they just finished up the first. Um, all male telling of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Now, I don't know if anybody knows about that play, but um, basically it's, it's four people. There's an older couple and a younger couple. And I will assume that Kurt played played the younger couple. Um, And the older couple is marriages. They're just falling apart. And it's these two just going at it. And it's the end of there. And and the younger couple is a newly married couple. And it's a kind of a reflection on how um, relationships can degenerate over time. It's a really, really intense and disturbing and dark play um, where the younger couple kind of just looks at this older couple and is like, are are we going to be this in 30 years? And I can only imagine how like exhausting that would be um, if you were playing that, like if Kurt and Blaine are are the married couple, even if they're the younger one. And I only hope that that uh, play would help them strengthen their relationship because maybe they have a chance to get out all of their aggression through the play that maybe like in real life they'll be fine. <laughs> in my mind, I mean, they just got their aggression out when they got home and it was fine. So yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and that's what fan fiction is for. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, and then we get them coming to, because apparently they are semi-famous at this point. I don't know. They come to this Harvey Milk school uh, for special children. Um, <laughs> oh, <duh>. God. <laughs> I don't, I, I have some mixed feelings about this. Um, well, what do you guys think? Let me, let me slip into the floor. What do you guys think of this? This wasn't the scene that I need to see of their future. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, I, I honestly don't know what more to say about it because it was just a. Okay. 
Well, I didn't I, need a song like that. Like, like, like. I that's needed what the I'm song. That would have been great. I, no, I, I, I needed the song. It is uh, okay. So I don't know. Here's my I feel, well. This is one of my favorite songs ever. So, um, <laughs> so my spiel about this. First of all, I understand why they went there, even though I was totally confused the first time I saw it, because all of this was about Glee Club and about how the creative arts is important in schools. So them wrapping Mm -hmm. that up with this makes sense. However, I do still kind of, A, wish that maybe this was Blaine with his his elementary class, because that would have had more of a personal connection, or B, them with their child, um, which would have, again, been even more... We didn't need to see Rachel Berry pregnant, but whatever. Um, but nope, we got so it's fine. Um, I love the song. This is one of my favorite songs. Um, and when I heard they were doing it, it meant so much to me that they were doing this song because I love it. Um, I do think it speaks to them. I think they are a daydream believer and a homecoming queen. Um, and it's how we got our. Website and our podcast and everything around that. <laughs> I, sh- I do need to, to take song, a second so. to explain this, though. I, okay, so um, when I was coming up with ideas, because I think people get really confused by it sometimes, and I understand that, and I did not purposely misspell too. I mean, I did not spell it accidentally. It's purposeful. Um, I, I trying to find a domain name that was open involving uh, the, the song "Daydream Believer." Just was ridiculous. Like everything was taken. And um, originally it was going to be two TWO daydream believers, as if there's two of them. And my friend Maltz, shout out to her, I'm going <laughs> to throw her under the bus, um, but I went along with it, so whatever. She said, why don't you do it like it's a cheer, like two daydream believers, and then you can put the TO in there, and so it's a, it has a double meaning to it. And I was like, okay, and I, I you know, she talked me into it, and I did it. Um, people didn't get it. So like, they always say two day dream believers. So it's either that or, you know, you spell two wrong or whatever. I'm like, whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so just as a, just to clear up a very long standing mystery, it was purposeful and it's a cheer. Like it's, it's a, it's a toast yeah. to two day dream, two daydream believers. Yeah. Um, in my head, I have to say that I, I am one who more favors in my head of the two-day believers but, yeah. <laughs> or daydream, yeah. but two-day dream believers. Um, yeah. And um, I just want to, if you ever wonder why I say TBD, because just the whole thing just takes too long to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. it makes sense. I think, though, with this, like, I think it's a lovely song. I guess for me, I'm just kind of... Uh, I've all, I mean, for the last few years of Glee, I always had an issue with how many songs there were in an episode anyway. I, by the time we got to season three, I think I was kind of on the bandwagon of, I wish that they would record as many songs as they want, but do it in the, in the way that they do the, the Christmas episode where they have songs that they record and then songs that actually make it to the episode Mm -hmm. like that for me Mm -hmm. would have been perfect like three to four songs max like I think there were only three songs in I Am Unicorn which I thought was brilliant and I think that because there were some episodes where I felt like we were just bombarded with songs I don't think maybe this was one of them but considering that like you said the like we got just that tiny 
clean scene with dialogue and no real dialogue for their future, even though they're having a baby, I would have probably been happy to sacrifice one final duet of which they have many beautiful ones. And this wouldn't have been my favorite anyway, because my favorites are ones that they've already had. I would have happily sacrificed that to have like one scene of theirs with dialogue where we still get like a sense of what they're doing like maybe Kurt visits Blaine's elementary school class like you said like knocks on the door and gives him his lunch or something and they have like a conversation out in the hallway or whatever but like I don't know I feel like that would have been I would have preferred that to just like a couple of moments of them speaking to the kids and then having a song but I understand that other people prefer the duets or they love the song and I and I completely get that too well and I'm I'm a little bit I yeah because like I disagree with the song because I think that this is after all a musical and at the end of the day you get a final song with the two of them together as a couple and it's Mm -hmm. musically you're you're wrapping things up in a musical way yeah um the uh, the first parting part is that yeah you're there it's um it is to the scene that we don't have any emotional attachment to we don't know these kids or this classroom and yet speaking to the whole theme of being um you know having especially you know lgbt um lgbt members uh, you know being prolific and and spreading their positive message um so that's important too but at the same time you, you we as audience members don't necessarily have the attachment to this particular group of kids so it, I, I, the last song while it is very deep and meaningful to these characters they're not singing it to each other they're singing it to these kids and i i think that was the major thing is that they should have been singing it to each other you know they don't get very moments of like really looking at each other in this particular song because they're too busy having kids jump over them um so i think that is my biggest issue is that they should have had the song be to the you know it's about the two of them and to each other and having more you could even do this whole particular if you even want to do this scene just make sure that they're connecting in the scene and they're not and so the emotion is not there as much as it could have been in a different way if that makes any sense yeah so that's my spiel about this um a couple of little things there is they do the like single ladies hand thing and the Lady Gaga <laughs> thing. So there's a couple of musical throwbacks. Um but and the kids are cute. At least that's cute. <laughs> um yeah they are cute. This is our this is our third to last song of the entire series. Um I, I think it's important the song is as a whole. It also speaks to Everybody being a daydream believer and um, living your dreams. And I, I do think it's, it, oh, what's the right word? I think that it fits with the theme of the, the series finale of following your dreams and being a dreamer and, you know, getting that happy ending. Um, it's just, I just wish I was a little more emotionally connected to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I'm I'm glad that we got one final duet. It's not my favorite duet that they've ever performed, but yeah. it was nice having that where, you know, music has been such a cornerstone of their relationship, having that be their send-off. Yeah. I think it's also important to note that they get 
what is essentially one of the last send-offs. I mean, we get this Kurt and Blaine stuff, we get Rachel, and then we get the show. So mm-hmm. the fact that they are acknowledging that the, you know, these are, Kurt and Blaine were main characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, wasn't it your absurd questions that you did just a few weeks ago for the, the poll of, you know, we get Kurt and Blaine, but they only get treated like Britannia at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and what was I mean, the other choice? I don't even remember that. I don't remember. Um, oh, or Sam and, and Mercedes, I think, was the other choice. Right. Yes. Exactly. So, yeah. And we'll talk about some of those other couples as we do this flash forward thing. But um, Kurt and Blaine, at least at the end of the day, they get a scene. Oh, excuse me. They get a scene. They get a duet. They get focus. The a show is acknowledging that. Kurt and Blaine get a full story in the show. And really, it would be ridiculous if they didn't, considering that they really were, you know, the A couple by the by the end. You know, mm-hmm. like there's, the yes. there's, theirs was the main arc and theirs was the main romantic focus. So I think it would have felt dishonest to not recognize that as them, as, as us seeing them come to fruition. Yeah, and like you said, like with the duet and with everything. So I think it would have just felt... And I mean, truthfully, and I don't really care about them one way or another, but I, f- I feel like it's kind of shocking that Brittany and Santana didn't have any uh, screen time whatsoever. I know that they, in theory, are very shoehorned into season six in general, but considering that they did have a wedding storyline and they were a double wedding with Clay, mm-hmm. I do find it a little bit odd just bearing in mind how big of a storyline they did get right in the middle. I'm like, oh, well, okay, we don't get and anything. And I will argue, and I know Sam is maybe an exception to this rule, but and and Blaine to a little bit of an extent too, but um, they, if you look at, they just did 2009 before this, so they take all of those characters that you saw from the pilot um, that actually got focused, which would be Rachel and Mercedes, Kurt, uh, Artie and Tina, and Will and Sue, and they gave those are the people that they focused on in the finale, um, and so they gave those characters the endings, whereas mm-hmm. all the other characters they were either wrapped up. Before. I mean, I like I said, I said in the wedding episode, Britannia ended in the wedding episode. That was their goodbye. That was their final. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. so. I um, like like I think I just meant it was quite it was quite odd that like you said most of the other people that were still around in season six that were around in season one, like, you know, not including Quinn and Puck and people like that. They were all in that final scene watching Rachel get her award. I guess it like the only reason I can come up with in my head that Britannia wasn't there was that Heather and Naya were either MIA or didn't want to do it. So it almost like it, it almost draws attention to itself by the fact that everyone else is there, but they're not. And it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I don't know. What, but yeah, I guess yeah. It's just, maybe well, there were scheduling conflicts. Maybe it just wasn't possible. Yeah, I'm guessing it was like maybe a scheduling conflict or something because um, Naya said, she tweeted something about, okay, after she wrapped on the wedding episode, she said, I'm done with the series. She thought she was done with the series. But um, they asked her to come back just for for that one last song. So she wasn't originally scripted to be in any of that. And since the like Kitty and Roderick or whatever, those are guest stars that are contracted through, I'm guessing Nia and Heather were contracted for three episodes or how many right. ever episodes and mm-hmm. not that last one. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's what it 
Um, so we get, let's move into this next big, um, they've only done this a few times. Notably, one time that they did this next thing is when Kurt sings as, as if we never said goodbye. Um, we get Leah Michelle as Rachel singing Darren Chris's, um, original composition this time. And, um, I have some thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> First of all, I think this song is beautiful. Personally, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very beautiful song. I think Darren did an amazing job of it. He was nominated for an Emmy for the song. I think when you look down at the lyrics and you break them apart, it is exactly what the show needed at the end of yeah. of the show. Um, it's, you know, again, it's about moving on. It's about... I will hold this time that we've had forever, but it's time to move on. And it's sad um, and it's hard, but it's okay. Like, it's okay to have an ending. It's okay to say goodbye. And um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, I, I, it's also, I understand that it's a Rachel Berry solo. I think that, she first of all, she does well with. I'm always hit and miss about Leah Michelle's voice. I think she nails it. Um, I think that the song is incredibly moving um, when she sings it. Um, it's it's got to be really powerful to sing a song that was written for you, yeah, by a friend of yours, or I mean, not even that, but just having a song that the lyrics were written for you, the the range is written for you. Wow. Well, it's also the weight of having this song is about the entire show. This is about right. everybody moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, the only complicated feelings I have about it is that I get why they spend. Now, the one thing is, at least she's not standing in one place. She's walking around the school and she's saying goodbye to all the sets. And in that moment, that quietness works in a way that a lot of times Rachel Berry solos don't because she's just standing there. I do think Leah has some genuine good emotion going on here, which is not always the case. <laughs> um, uh, and, and she's fine with it. I, originally, there, when Darren created it, he thought he was gonna, it was going to be kicked around to, as, as a montage and I, I'm like, that's a really beautiful thought. I'm, I'm kind of sad that we didn't get this montage of showing mm-hmm. everybody leaving and little moments that we don't need a clip show, but just of people saying goodbye of, you know, they're moving on or flash forward of what they're happy. You know, you show pictures with Kurt and Blaine with a baby and Tina and Artie like at an award ceremony and um, Mercedes and Sam getting back together. And you can see the fan video in there that they mm. could have done and they didn't, which is okay. I mean, that's my, you know, indulgent fan wish, but I, I understand why they did what they did. And I think what they did do is a moving moment of the series. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that my only flaw with it was that I felt like um, Leah Michelle did a very similar song in the way that it was framed with um, um, Let It Go at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And so um, it would have felt fine if you're like looking back at several seasons, but since that was only 13 episodes before, it really did kind of feel that we had already seen that exact same scene. Well, but I get it as a full circle moment. I mean, this is Rachel in the past, 
mm-hmm. um, getting ready to go back to New York. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, the, one of the Hummelberry scenes that they cut kind of set that up. Um, and I, d- I get that because this is an entire act break. Um, they, it's, you know, it's between two commercials and, um, cause they virtually do almost the whole song. Um, so I get it on that level. Um, I, they do also not, there's a moment where it pans over to the, the Finn and the Mrs. Adler plaques yeah. on the wall, which I think is yeah. a very sweet a memoriam for them. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't mind at that particular thing so much just because it is a full circle. Rachel was at her lowest at this one point. And now she's mm-hmm. on her, you know, she's going up in the world again. And I do oh, like that's a good she, point. Yeah. I do like that. She hasn't won her Emmy yet when she's singing this. Um, and at, you know, we haven't really gotten much Rachel at all in this seat, in this, in this particular episode. Um, mm-hmm. And after so much of this series is Rachel, um, that's kind of remarkable when I think about it. Um, but I, I'm okay with letting her have this entire act break. I just kind of wish we had more of the like montage thing underneath it. But yeah, I don't yeah. really care much about Rachel one way or another. But I think I really appreciate the song because I really love Darren and Leah's friendship. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I see past Rachel and I see the Darren and Leah, and I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> Like it's mine, and like I, um, I got to hear her sing it when they did their LMDC tour, which mm-hmm. was like, which is just like so much more bearable listening to Rachel when it's actually Leah and it's her yeah. and Darren. <laughs> like those two just bring me so much joy. I want them to be together always. And I think uh-huh. it's a travesty that they don't live in the same house because there's so much joy coming out of them <laughs> both. Like they should live in one big house because it's like, it's just uh-huh. too, like, it's too cruel to keep them apart. They're just like, joy and sunshine i love them so yeah i think it's really really nice that they got to collaborate in this way but as far as rachel like yeah she's a main character it's fitting that she got one final solo i mean if you didn't know that it was written for the show then you wouldn't have any real connection to it would you that's the only problem because it's not a song anyone would know unless they knew it was written for the show well i think if you come into it well at this point you you Probably, you, you probably know. you're like <laughs> you the one know. of two people watching. The other thing this this particular scene is the last bit of this the last um, part of this episode is all in the future. So that was the end of, you know, that was them. It was 2015. Also the show, yeah, it was the end of 2015. It was them saying goodbye to McKinley, and yeah, we're gonna get that final song at the end. But that was them saying goodbye to the school and to the set and to this time period and to the story. Um, so yeah, that's. I just noticed that they they linger because they did the five years later thing for Sue and for Clayne, but um, they linger on the five years later for this last act. Um, mm-hmm. so that was just saying, you know, we're done. Get ready. This is the epilogue of the epilogue. Yeah, essentially. So, um, we are back in New York, and um, we're at a brownstone. This looks like the exact same thing a little bit for <laughs> that they left in season five, but whatever. Um. Now that I think of it, oh my god, I never noticed this. I wonder if it is. Remember a long time ago they said we're going to meet back in the spot six months from now? Um, it's kind of like yeah. that. That mm. they they meet back up at the spot. Now it's not the same exact spot. But I never noticed that before, that they all 
um, they're all going to meet up in this one spot again. And it's kind of a nice little throwback to that. That's sweet. End of season five. I didn't notice that. Um, other fun fact, Darren and Chris's parents walk by on the sidewalk in the background Aww. of the scene. Yes, they do. They're a little curious. Yeah, I can. Um, right when Mercedes is walking up to Tina and Artie, you, you see Mama and Papa Chris walk by. Um, so we learn a little bit about our lovely people that didn't get a song, uh, Artie and Tina. Um, Artie has a, a script or a film in Slam Dance or whatever. I don't know if that's a real thing. Because Tina's like, it's at Sundance. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> um I am pretty sure that something similar to Slam Dance exists. But I don't remember the name. Um, Mercedes is a relatively uh, successful recording artist, and Artie wants to use one of her her songs in his film, which she jokingly is like, you can't afford me. Oh, no, I'm kidding. You can have it. Um, And um, uh, we do see that Tina and Artie are back together. I hate it. Mm. Why do you hate it? Because I love Mike and Tina. <laughs> I loved Mike and Tina. I loved that they were the long-term functioning background couple that were like like pretty much married from the start. I hate they broke them up. I hate it. <laughs> Just Aww. like I don't like it. I mean, Artie and Tina are fine, but I'm like, they make it feel like they were this big epic love from the beginning. I'm like, they dated and then like she broke it off to be with Mike. I'm just like, oh, it, oh, it's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. Like, it makes no sense, and it would never happen in real life. No, I, the reason they did it is because Jenna and Kevin are so close. I know, and that's so, cute, and I like and that. And it, it's yeah. so funny because the writers were like, we don't really got anything for you. How do you want your characters to end up? And <laughs> They're like, together. Whatever together. happened in real life. Like, all the best yeah. friends paired up as couples. But I'm like... I mean, like, but just full disclosure, like, does anyone really ship Tina and Artie? Like, does anyone care? That Kevin and Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. But Clearly. Even, but even their whole thing, like, leading up to it, where they're like, oh, we're so, we're like the, we're, we're besties and we have these, like, weekly picnic dates. And I'm like, okay, hang on just a minute, mate. Like, <laughs> this is literally the first I'm hearing of this. <laughs> funny how it's leading up to you two getting back together again and being the end game which no one saw coming but then again i really can't be bitter because no one saw my end game coming either and that's coming up so i'm you know i i will sacrifice (laughs) my mike and tina if i get to have my rachel and jesse i am willing um also i think tino is an actress in his in his movie because i think she said something about you know, I took the part when you turned it down. Um, so she's kind of acting. I don't know. I always would have, you know, they don't really give Tina an ending, but it would have been interesting if Tina was doing something completely different. But mm-hmm. the show does not care about Tina. So, <laughs> unfortunately, um, we do get an interesting conversation about Sam and Mercedes that I want to point out. Um you know, because Kurt and Blaine come up and they're like, oh, yeah, Sam's dating another one. And, and Mercedes is like, why is he still texting me? And that's the only Sam and, and Mercedes kind of bit that we get. Um, is there more in the script? There's more. They actually, Sam is like, I'm going to get, I'm going to ask her, like, 
to solidify the relationship. Thought. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they changed it. I don't know why they took it out. I mean, I, I you could argue time, but I think there would have been time enough to do something. Like they changed the script. Like this part was not really in the script. And at the end, Sam was going to like ask Mercedes. I don't know. I don't know why not. Um, I do know there was a lot of unhappy Sam and Mercedes fans and I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I don't but know. I guess like, Ah, I think the way that I kind of see it narrative, uh, blah, 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 narratively is in a way they did kind of have like their goodbye when they decided for the mature reasons to break up and that was and 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 they decided that that was it that there wasn't a second chance and that they'd given it a go and their lives were just going to pan out and so for me this actually felt like a very fitting ending for them. They're very much in each. I mean, you know, they they talk, and there's clearly still attraction there from Sam's and from Mercedes. I'm sure, you know, because Sam is still texting her. But you know, Mercedes is still set in her beliefs, and Sam is still Sam, and like, and 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 that's why they broke up. So I don't know. Like, I don't see what they could have possibly done with this unless they had them married in the end which is the only way mercedes was going to sleep with him so it's like i don't see what they could have done you know yeah mm-hmm. i i mean you can it's it's nicely open enough that if you want to imagine them getting back together you can exactly um i am sorry to the fans who wanted that but at the same time i i'm not at least the characters are happy i don't i don't know if i can reconcile necessarily mercedes wanting this life on the road and sam being happy about um, being in, you know, Lima, but you know, I mean, it's, they're a sweet couple. I have nothing against them. So if like your ship is to ship them and they get together again, that's cool. That's really cool. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything against it or anything, but it's just, I understand maybe the choices uh, that they made to decide to not like put that a final bow on that. So, yeah, I am. Um... I mean, I, I, I like Mercedes and Sam as a couple overall. Um, I just, I guess I have issues with so many high school couples yeah. getting together and staying together and being the one true loves that. <sighs> I, I mean, agree on that point, <laughs> but that's like. Yeah. But that, but that's my personal. You know, that's obviously not the story that the well, the writing think, team is trying to tell. So. I think the show wanted to try and appease as many people as possible. I don't think Britannia was originally going to be an end game couple. I don't even know if Clayne was ever going to get that many focus. I think it was going to be Finchel, and right, that's pretty much it. So, but I think so many people wanted these different endings they tried to service as much as possible which yes, is not I an mean, easy thing so right but i agree it's, sometimes in these kind of shows when you do so much of the oh you know we've been together since high school and everybody gets together with everybody it's a little okay yeah so so yes they they, they are they are cute i'm glad it was sort of left as the semi-open there's a potential there but probably not kind of storyline Okay, so kind of moving on, um, we get into this scene. I have to point this out because it drives me crazy every time I watch it. Um, they do this mirror trick, um, which is not really a mirror. It's where they are. It's a. It's two different rooms, and they're using a double. 
um, so that they can put the camera through to the other shot. Now, but the Leah's double is so bad, and the guy, <laughs> whoever's going to like mirror Kurt doing with the bed, it's so bad. It's so bad. So you can tell <laughs> that, you know, it's not a through the mirror shot. <laughs> Um, because she's not so not following what what Leah Michelle's doing, and then um, they're they're very badly out of sync. And then when they put down the bag, the Kurt double flips the bag around, and Chris does not do that. So it's like, <laughs> did you guys not rehearse this? This is like, and they must have been so rushed for time that they're like, they well, we probably didn't have time for a rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, it just stands out to me every time I watch it. Um, the other thing about this particular moment, um, we get the reveal that Rachel is pregnant with Kurt and Blaine's baby. Um, first, I want to say something because I see this all the time. It drives me crazy. <coughs> she is the surrogate mother. She's not the biological mother. Right. Just because she's carrying the baby does not mean she donated the egg. Now, they don't necessarily specify, but it's kind of implied. And in the script, it definitely specifies she is not the mother. Um, if you want to say that Quinn gave the egg because she said she was going to do that way back when, totally go for it. If you want to just randomly pick somebody else, I like to think that they um, they randomly pick someone. That's how I choose to do it. And Rachel was just being nice and saying that she can have, you know, but it's not Rachel's baby. Um, however, I want to do a shout out to the moment in Acafellas when, when Mercedes thinks that Kurt has feelings for Rachel. And he said, she says, um, you know, someday you guys will have very loud babies. Uh, and it cracks me up. <laughs> uh, I have to say that when I first found out that Rachel was going to be carrying their baby, I was not happy. <laughs> oh, really? I just, no, because for me, like, there was this weird thing going around during season six, I remember, when... You know, Kurt and Blaine are getting back together and Rachel is single and she's been single for longer than any of us thought she was going to be single. And she's always played up as being this weird girlfriend to Kurt. But like now I felt she, like and I know that like a, there were a few people on Tumblr that were like, Rachel, like, he's really not your boyfriend. <laughs> like you need to yeah. lay off a bit. And so it felt just insanely icky to me that. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, thank God she's married now, but it's just like, it just felt a bit to me like that, that they could never really detach, like that she was going to mm -hmm. be like, you know, even though it's not biologically hers, like she was going to get in there, like it would be, be like in Kurt's life, like, it, like, and then in Kurt and Blaine's life. And it, to me, it just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really like it. Um, but I, I can see that, you know, they wanted her to be the surrogate because of, you know, her history with surrogacy and then obviously because, like, mm -hmm. the, the best friend. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just because of my own personal biases against kind of the unhealthy sides of Kurt and Rachel's relationship, I just found it a little bit weird. And, yeah, mm -hmm. because of Rachel's weird obsession with Kurt, I was like, ugh. But, like, also I think... And I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. My headcanon for years, and I was absolutely heartbroken that it didn't happen, was that Tina donated the eggs. She didn't have to carry the baby, but she donated the eggs. Blaine donated the sperm, and they bore the baby warbler. 
from the Glee Live movie. The little Asian baby warbler, and that was what I wanted. <laughs> he just came out in a warbler in a warbler onesie, and that's exactly how he came out. <laughs> that's funny. It was just, that would have been my idea. Like it would yeah. have just been perfect. And then Blaine teaching him the teenage dream moves. That's it. That's all I that's needed. So funny. Um, I, you know, I, I get it. I don't. I guess because. Um, uh, Rachel and and Kurt didn't get a goodbye scene. That I I'm okay with it because they didn't have that weird kind of like connection that they yeah. seemed to have in like that the codependent thing that they were doing a lot when they were in New York. Um, but um, you know, it's it, they also don't get to talk about it much because Tina's like, why did you say yes in doing this? And Rachel goes on this long monologue, and at no point do Kurt and Blaine actually get to comment on the fact <laughs> that they're being fathers. <laughs> It's all right. about Rachel again. <laughs> you're not even it's not even parent. her baby. Yeah, yeah it's, um, you're not even its mom. <laughs> um, and it's so fun. And I get it. I mean, you do have to mention that it's going to be the full circle moment. And I do. Some people were really confused by her comment about I've given them so much of my lives, um, or they've given me so much of their lives, which is true. I'm sorry. They've like they've done a hand over foot over for Rachel. Like it's about time mm-hmm. she does something back. I get it. It makes sense. Um. But and then, um, they did cut out some stuff from the script. Like I said, we'll go into it. It's a little bit more about the them talking about being fathers. Um, Kurt's last line in the entire series. Uh, somebody asks, um, how, how, you know, about the baby and the process, and he his last line is like, "We mix the spermies together." <laughs> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> they mixed the spermies together. Oh my god. Imagine Which goes back to season that. season one. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Rachel going. We don't know who the father is. They mixed their sperm. Yep, pretty much. Um which I think Isn't there a line in the script about how if it comes out with an ascot it's cut yes. and if it comes out with a bow tie it's blamed. Like I yes. said, it should just come out with the warbler onesie. That's all it needs to come <laughs> out there. It doesn't well and the nice thing it did in the script was like it doesn't matter um yeah, who's no. biological, who's, you know. No. Gonna be, they're both the dad. If I was gonna um, be raising the kid, it doesn't matter. The other nice well, thing which it's also, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily that Rachel is the surrogate, not the biological mother either. Yeah. In the same around. Um now I they shoot, what was I gonna say? Um they it is in the script that they have a daughter, that it's a girl, and I think we've all just kind of adopted that as canon, even though they don't explicitly say it. Um mm-hmm. I like that idea anyway. I think that they do well with a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and they do get a moment of, um, <laughs> you know, she says to them, they're going to be amazing dads and they look really sweet about it. Um, I do say there is a promo still that they didn't use um, in, the, in the actual thing of it was <laughs> so funny. Uh, Kurt and Blaine, um, and Rachel was next to Blaine with the baby, and somebody like took off Leah Michelle's head and put Chris Colfer's on the woman's body. <laughs> and Chris Colfer was like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris was like, "That was the final straw." He was like, "I'm yeah. never coming back to this show." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <okay>, Chris. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, guys. <laughs> oh jeez. 
<laughs> it was ridiculous. Come on, guys. I like to but, think he did have a laugh about it, though, before he tweeted. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, um, not to destroy from this actually really sweet moment of her saying that they're going to be great dads. What do you guys feel about them being dads at age 26? Too soon. I mean, that's my friend group that did that, but it didn't seem... Yeah. <laughs> I... I it wasn't it wasn't something that I needed as an ending for Kurt and Blaine's story. Um, them being dads at that age. Um, but this is also I mean, we, we talk about the influences of Ryan Murphy's life on mm-hmm. his writing of Kurt and he had yeah. just become a father and you know sure. Yep, he did get married he, and had a father. He 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 wants this story of, you know, this gay kid having that life that he wanted. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So it, it fits that way. I mean, exactly. in my Town own personal head, I never, I would not have pictured them being dads. But for the ending, it w- it was lovely, and um, I'll accept it, and I'll <laughs> embrace what they're trying to say there too. So. <laughs> I agree. I think that I didn't need them to be dads either. I think that, you know, they didn't ever really need to be fathers. Neither of them really seemed, well, Billy maybe more so than Kurt. But I will say more so or in addition to you talking about Ryan Murphy writing that he wanted to have this gay kid, um, you know, come full circle. I also think it is a nice... Um, a nice full circle moment for Kurt to be now in the position of being a dad to have a relationship with a child the way he had with his own father. And um, I do like it on that level. I think that um, the two of them being now in a position of just, I don't know. I just like that whole, and it is set up a little bit. I mean, Bert does talk about having grandkids. They do mention kids a couple right. times. They, they do. Sp- it. It's not a surprise to me that they um, become fathers. That certainly mm-hmm. feels like it's in character for them. It feels a little soon, but then again, everything feels a little soon for five <laughs> years outside. Yeah, of- this should have been like ten years. If down it was the road. ten years, I, I would have been that like is the only thing that I had a problem with. Like I like I completely envisaged kids in their future. Like we said, they've discussed kids many times. I think it's just most people have kids. Like it's not something I would feel would be unusual. They probably would have had no shortage of willing people to help them out. But it's yeah, I mean I've just turned twenty six this year and like fuck that <laughs> like it's just absolutely no fucking way no. i just don't buy it and they don't look old enough like they still look like they did in high school 5 years prior like we said chris doesn't look older like they nothing about them tells me that they are capable to hold a baby let alone raise one <laughs> and i'm just like someone no. just no <laughs> make it stop but- um, I again, though, uh, to the, the Ryan Murphy point, this story about Kurt was a a, a story of hope to show gay kids mm-hmm. that they can have that happy ending too. And I yes. think the normalcy of it 
of the, yeah, okay, well, everybody has kids. Well, the gay kids don't usually get that happy ending. So this is a way yeah, that is to, true. That to is tie true. up that fairy tale. Not to demolish what you were saying or anything. Because um, I agree pretty much with it. But at the same time, it's like, I, this is the end of the fairy tale. Um, that is true. That is true, yeah. Right. You know, this is the happy I mean, ending, if, I was, so. if I was to write this story, or if I was to change anything in the script, the only thing that I would have done was change it from five years later to ten years later. That would have been And that would have yeah. solved yeah. So many of my little little, little issues with it, but yeah. they didn't. They went five years, and I so think fine. also this is part of the five years they needed to make it an election year. Um, and I also think the um, the meta ness of it being twenty twenty, where everything is clear. Um, yes, it's a and looking too back, nicely. yes, mm-hmm. it's so it, yeah, right. So it all. They 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 fast forwarded. They compressed it all into a time frame so that they could tell the story that they wanted, which made it feel a little unrealistic, but not. I mean, it's not out of character either. No, I think they were just. You can very much tell. Also, everybody's like, okay, well, what are the best possible endings for these characters? Let's right. do that. So Th- this did. is the reunion show, so that they don't have to come back in five years. Right, exactly. at five years to have the reunion show, they can say, exactly. "You know what? We showed it." Yeah. Well, and maybe. I also think uh, it is. Uh, it's also enough that I feel like they don't need to. Like I understand the trajectory that all of these kids' lives are on. That I, I. That's why I don't necessarily need a reunion reboot at any point either. I feel like they left these characters in in good places, and that's okay for the ending of the story i need glee the concert and other than that i'm gonna i'm, I'm fine with everything i need endless glee i will never have enough glee i want the, the i i i would have happily watched like you know more in new york of them as adults like a friend's mm-hmm. style thing i think we probably all would have because we all love well I think a lot of people love New York season five, you know, when Kurt and Blaine were getting on. Um, I think that it would have been great. Yeah. Like I'll be honest for me, the, I can't think of anything less fairy tale like than two men in their sexual prime in their mid twenties having a kid. That to me is like the opposite <laughs> of a fairy tale ending. It's like, oh no, those divorce papers seem to be very, very clear in my future. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Goodness. I don't know what's going to happen to no. them. But uh, yeah, it's just for me, like, like you said, ten years, about thirty-ish, perfect time to have a kid. Maybe not when you're just kind of still in the in the throes of your honeymoon years. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Well, kind of, uh, it's because we need to get to the end of this. Um, we get this ending, we get the, um, we find out that we're at the Tonys here and that uh, Rachel is married to Jesse. This yes. sweet choirs of angels have finally <laughs> looked down upon us because I can tell you, I... Never Did you ship them thought. from the beginning? Yes. From Hello. I honestly can tell you, I never in a million years thought that this would be gifted to me. I am just so happy. And obviously, for the love of God, I would not have wished the circumstances under which, oh, right. under which we got them. Right. Like, of course, no one. But, it, you know, even under the under those circumstances, like I said, I think I've mentioned it before, the fact that they could have easily just had her not married, but even like, but like I said, the fact that they began as a mid game ship that were just there to get in the way of Finchel. And 
they ended up married. I'm just like, this kind of ruin, like, this sets a very dangerous precedent for me for shipping because I'm like, if Samari can possible. do it, anybody can do it. Yes. Well, I'm usually like, don't ship the games, Roxanne, but now I'm like, if St. Barry can do it, anybody can do there's it. a couple of thoughts that I've got going with this. One is that there's this um, Friends episode with Joey where he says, you can tell when two people are doing it on um, because they won't have any chemistry uh, in their production. Yeah. And I have always felt that Rachel and Jesse have had way, way more chemistry than Rachel and Finn ever had. And I mean, you can mm. talk that up to the fact that Leah and Corey were dating off screen. Um, and that, um, you know, Leah and Jonathan Groff really love each they're other, married. but it's um, not, uh, they're not going to, you know, they're not sexually compatible. So um, you, you get this, um, they just, Jesse and Rachel always had way more chemistry to me. And I think it makes sense. And I, I do like this idea that she doesn't end up with her high school love because I mean, yeah, no, the, the circumstances, we never want that ever. Um, but I do think the story it makes sense to me. And, and I, I do think it was Leah's call. I do think she wanted Jonathan yeah. Groff back and, and she's very happy to have him back and it makes sense for the story. But um, yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm a fan. I but even if Corey had lived and yeah. we had had Finn, St. Barry in a lot of ways makes a lot more sense to end. Yes. Than that scene that, you know, they were supposed to end with, Rachel coming back and saying, I'm back and every, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense for Rachel's character. No, I've it said doesn't. it, I think many, because people always say to me, why do you ship Sinbury so much when you don't really like Rachel? And I think it's interesting because like, I have said it, I think on the podcast before where Rachel is a very specific type of person, a specific type of character. And I think that she has to be paired platonically romantically in the narrative with people who are her match because mm -hmm. when you pair her with kurt who i'm sorry is not her match he's not as ruthless he's not as selfish he will always back down when someone else's happiness is at stake uh he always will and so he always will lose whereas when you pair her with a mercedes a santana a jesse for her kind of romantic partner you all of a sudden have instant magic because it's like well he's not going to back down from her either so all of a sudden she's put in her place he's put in his place and you have an equal partnership that partnership was just never equal with finn because she always well first of all he had the upper ground because she was the unpopular girl and he was the quarterback and then she had the upper ground because he was and I don't really believe this is true, but they were painting it. You know, he was kind of like the loser that was never going to make it out of his town. And she was the, the great shining star. And, you know, he felt like she was the best thing ever. So there just wasn't the balance. Whereas, like I said, Rachel and Jesse, I felt from the moment that they met, they were, although they they weren't completely being honest with each other, but you could see they were basically the same person, but just mm -hmm. a boy and a girl, yeah. which and to it, me was I, perfect for Rachel. I think they both have grown up enough too by the, this time. I, you know, even um, when he shows up at the end of season six, uh, a couple episodes before, um, I still buy that they've grown up enough that they can deal with each other and are less selfish about yeah, things right. to, to make mm -hmm. it actually work. So, yes. 
Um, so yeah, we get this Tony sequence. Um, and the funny thing, first I want to mention that, um, in a different place back in Ohio, Will is watching it and Sam is watching the kids and Will has like three kids now and Sam is chasing them around with like one of those, like, like, um, those things you use in the, the pools is like, I don't know, those long styrofoam things. Um, anyway, they're, it's really cute. I know the name of it until you like describe it and now it's gone and i don't remember anyway. the floaty things i don't know what they're called um and the noodles um noodles pool yeah. noodles um and it actually says relax uh, there's a little relax like um um bookend thing on his fireplace i think that's kind of funny that but anyway and yep emma comes back in so they're all watching in ohio while the new york crew is watching in new york and um rachel is going to win um now would <laughs> they actually got andrew reynolds to uh be the the presenter for this <laughs> um and yeah so we get the inevitable rachel wins a tony scene which i'm sure everybody saw coming um in new york i like the new york thing because it, it has Kitty and Roderick were there. And I remember a lot of people started shipping Kitty and Roderick after this. Um, and then it also has like all of these random people in the background who are assumedly Rachel's friends. But uh, first of all, they look really a lot older than <laughs> the cast. So I don't know who these people are. Um, but I do like the fact that it shows that they've grown their friend circle out in the five years that they've been there. So. It's all a lie. It's all an illusion. <laughs> they have no more friends. <laughs> they have six friends. <laughs> so, and um, Rachel has been in the Jane Austen sings. So, um, I don't I, know how we... That sounds like something I would watch. Yes, me too. It would be... I'm glad that it's something that seems different than what Funny Girl was. Um, and I'm glad that she didn't win for Funny Girl. I'm glad that this was something new that they kind of... Because I'm guessing originally, I wonder if she was going to originally win for Funny Girl. Um, and I'm glad that that uh, dream that she had for about being Funny Girl, whatever, that was kind of dashed. Like, learning yeah. that your dreams don't always come true. And so, um, But yeah, so she wins. And of course, she gives this lovely speech. Um, that where we get from, uh, you know, a throw to the pilot... Where it's, she says something like, um, being a part of something makes you special. Um, but it's not, it's, I don't remember what the actual line is. So, but anyway, it's a really nice little speech that seems right up the alley of. of it was really touching. I liked it a lot. So, um, and she, um, well, and I guess Jesse is a director because she wanted to know that. And uh, her dads are somewhere. At least they remembered she had parents. Um, <laughs> she actually thinks Carmen Thibodeau. I'm not even going to talk about the uh, degree thing. Um, and, you shouldn't. It'll just make you mad. No, it will. Um, but the most important <laughs> thing is that she dedicates this to Will. Because he is by far the most important thing in her life. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. it makes sense in one way. Like, if it wasn't for will creating the glee club she wouldn't have never found you know an outlet at such a young age to kind of you know really be creative because up until that point I mean, what she was a sophomore when she joined glee and she hadn't really been singing like just on myspace you know she would right. never have met her friend she would never have met finn she would never have you know met her 
actual husband that she ends up marrying, you know. So I guess mm-hmm. in a way, like Will Will was kind of the the catalyst for her really right. kind of realizing her what what could be her career. So I guess it makes sense. Um, um the line I finally found it was um that um it, something is special because you are a part of it. Not necessarily right. that being a part of something makes you special, but uh, the other way around, which I think is really sweet. And I'm pretty sure they had that. In, it's one know, of my favorite minds. lines. It really uh, is. Yeah. I'm guessing they knew that they were going to do that ever since the beginning. Um, <laughs> uh, another thing too, is that Will's place with the secret service guy. I didn't remember that <laughs> watching. That's kind of funny. Um, and then we get, we fast forward to um, the last sequence of this series, guys. Um, it's fall 2020. And everybody's dressed in white and red. We get in our audience our bit players and our guest stars that have been there through the rest of the years. We get, um, uh, you know, uh, Becky's there and we get Bert and Carol and Figgins and Terry comes back and all of these people that, you know, have been there throughout the seasons. And of course, we get Sue giving a speech about opening yourself up to joy and a She's, it's kind of a long-winded speech. I don't, oh, and Coach Beast is there. Don't want to forget Coach Beast. Um, and it's just a summary of what the show is meant. It's like the say, you know, you know how when, like you, they tell you not to do an essay is in conclusion. Um, but this is the show <laughs> doing that. It's saying in conclusion, this is what Glee meant to everybody. Yeah. So, um. And it, but it's really sweet. It's like, you know, I hated Glee. I thought it was a stupid idea. Um, but everybody's come so far and this Glee club meant to everything. And this is what it meant to us. And this is what the show meant to the writers. And, you know, the whole point of the show was about the hopes and dreams of these strange kids that grew up and had these happily ever endings, ever endings. And it makes sense to me that Sue would get this little, like she's always been the meta person speaking the meta. Mm -hmm. So, her saying that now seems exactly right. And um, yeah, she says Glee Club is for losers, uh, but that's okay. They're going to be fine. And um, yeah, what do you guys think? Anything you guys want to say about Sue before we talk about the last song? Um, no, I I still quite like Sue, regardless of her cartoonish nature. That's kind of why I love her. So I'm happy that she kind of got to be a meta one last time. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I I mean it. It doesn't necessarily fit her character, but her character changes a lot too, depending so on it, yeah, <laughs> right. So depending on the needs of the show, and so right now it seems to fit just fine. And and um, but and it was also a little bit of um, Jane Lynch as well saying those things rather than just Sue. Yeah. Um, and that, that itself, I, I, you know, that was powerful having Jane Lynch, uh, uh, iconic lesbian woman, um, who has done through, done so much and has been on this show and saying these words about what it means to all of us. Um, I found really powerful as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it's also they renamed the 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 I guess the whole like framing of this though it's kind of 
barely hung on there is that this is now the Finn Hudson Auditorium. That's technically why they're there is to yeah. say that it's the. Um, they just find memory. so many flimsy excuses to come back. I know it's fine. fine. Although, renaming it made my heart clench, and yeah. I mean, I think I think that was when the last bout of tears started and did not stop. So. I got really yeah. emotional watching it. So, um, yeah, it's it is really kind of it's a really nice speech, um, and it is a nice way to sum it up. And like, you know, because you get Rachel's speech, and then you get Sue's speech, and then you get a song. And I think that's always the way the show was going to end. It it makes sense to kind of wrap up things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So we get our last song and, and to everybody's surprise, it's not don't stop believing. Um, they kind of retired that in season five, which I think is good. I, I actually yeah. am glad that they didn't redo it. Um, mm-hmm. They get the song called I lived. And I think this is a fantastic song. I think oh, man. That, <laughs> yeah. Best I, tell you, whew, I tell you what, I, I, I love one Republic, but I had never heard this song. I kind of uh, like, I don't know tuned out of them a little bit at the time that this was being made mm-hmm. and I heard the the few bars that we heard of it in the promo for for 2009 slash the the last one and um it was just the that little bit I was like this sounds really good and it's just bizarre because like you said you would have expected their final song to be something famous and iconic rather than just like a fairly new one, one Republic song. And before the, we got our first listen Friday or whatever day they were doing it at that, at that stage. <laughs> yeah. I listened to the actual one Republic version, like on Spotify, like I was on a plane going back home to Poland or something. And I was listening to it and I was like, Oh my God, this song is incredible. And I actually ended up, um, uh, the, the song actually ended up being really, really special to me because not only did I um, use it uh, for like uh, this edit that I made for a very good friend of mine at the time uh, for like a birthday video of hers, uh, but I also made one for my mom for like a birthday video for her one year. And like, so the song, it doesn't matter where I am. Like, I actually can't listen to this song mm-hmm. like, like on shuffle when it comes on because it is completely instant tears and it actually gets to the point it's uh it's uh when they start singing i hope that you fall in love and that it hurts so bad and that's Mm -hmm. where i just lose it and i'm just like Uh okay i can't i can't i can't i can't do it anymore and it is a stunning rendition and to have rachel's like harmony piercing through everyone else's voice at the end as well it just is such a like i actually do prefer this to the original version Mm -hmm. which does which actually happens more often than not with glee songs i know that's a controversial opinion i know Mm -hmm. i do actually like a lot of glee covers but this one because they are a chorus it just it's 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 just fuller you know well Mm -hmm. and there's some interesting things that this does um this is reminiscent of don't stop believing in a couple of ways um, the way the song is set up, it kind of does the same kind of, um, it, the songs are similar sounding in certain respects. The, like the offbeat, um, harmony that get going is yeah. a little bit reminiscent of Don't Stop yeah. Believing. Um, the, the costumes being almost inversions of the don't, like yes. you got red and white instead of red and dark. Yeah. Um, yes. the, and the, 
it's just a lot of really neat callbacks. And I know that, you know, I thought this was interesting. When they did the Don't Stop Believing um, for season five, they had everybody come on in the way that they were introduced in the show. This, it's kind of random that, like, it's, you know, Tina and Artie and Quinn. and But that's fine. I don't mind... Um, the curtain, it's, this is the curtain call. This is the, you know, everybody comes out and takes a bow. Um, and you know, just Sam and, and Quinn and Tina and Artie are there out there already. Like these are the first people that are going to take the bow and then they bring out, you know, Rachel and Mercedes and they get their bow and they get bring out. I like that Kurt and Blaine get a moment together. Um, yes. the little hip check. Yep. <laughs> it's really very sweet. Uh-huh. The framing is that there's like you know, saying thank you to Will to with Will, um, where they say kind of say thank you as they back up, and then um, yeah, you just get more and more people coming in, and um, it's just so sweet. So almost everybody's here. Um, I do say that Max Adler plays the part of Marley Rose in this. Um, because <laughs> Uh, this is my reasoning for saying that because uh, Karofsky was never in Glee Club, but everybody else knew Glee Club. But um, uh, Marley couldn't be there because Melissa was doing Supergirl. Supergirl. Um, so I, that's why I jokingly said he was playing the part of Marley Rose in that. Um, oh the only other person that was not there is Rory, and I I don't know why he wasn't there um, because no one remembers who he is. But everybody else comes. They bring in the the old, the new. They bring in the newbies, new newbies. You know, Kitty comes back. Um, they get, um, they get Joe and Sugar back. You get Unique and Ryder coming back. Um, uh, Matt Rutherford and Mike have a moment together. Um, Brittany and Santana coming down because they were originally like up in the. Yeah, it wasn't Brittany, it was Santana, but um, it kind of is up a nod to up in the rafters. So them bringing coming in that way is kind of a cool thing. Um, you know, Puck's back. Everybody's back, and it is nice that they kind of slowly they brought back Ashley Fink, Lauren's back. Yes. Um, yeah, everybody's back, guys. Everybody yeah. has one last song and. I, it's I, it's the perfect song for them. It really is. It's yeah. just I can't even believe that they found something so perfect. I can't. Right. It's just yeah. Uh, I do love the moment. It, it, it's kind of Rachel getting her final call when Jesse comes on and then she sings that high note, and um yeah, like and she's not pregnant anymore. She's not pregnant. So she had the baby. So yeah, Kurt and Blaine are, are fathers in this scene. Off screen. <laughs> Off screen fathers. <laughs> oh, it's just, oh. if that doesn't sum up glee, I don't know what does. Off screen fathers. I love it. I love that the new and the old are all mixing together. I just, yes. everybody is not, it's, you're not with your partner except for Rachel and Jesse. Like, you're just kind of having fun and it is another fun moment for these actors. I love when they bring yeah. the adults on stage and they get a moment and everybody's singing and the song is just so beautiful. And, and even Terry's there. and Terry's there. <laughs> Right? Yeah, Terry's <laughs> Of course she is. Yeah, she's got to be there. Oh, um, it's a, it is an incredible ending. It's an incredible song to end it with. I, like I said, I can't even believe that with a song that I'd never even heard yeah. before that promo, like now I can't, I can't listen to it in public because it's just floods of tears. It's, yeah, 
It is really special it, now. It felt like such a gift mm-hmm. to, yeah. to you know, it, it doesn't make any kind of sense from a storytelling point to have them all there. But having them all there and them singing the song about, you know, what what this time had meant was just... It was it was so it was so emotionally moving. It was so emotionally perfect. Mm-hmm. This honestly song moved me, and this isn't necessarily a comment. I don't oh, I don't want to say because I because I love Darren so much, and I don't want it to sound right. Old, but th- but this but this is so much better than this time. Like it, it like in terms of the song choice, and I don't know. There's something about the anthem quality to it that feels perfect it's like a sad anthem like sad anthems are sometimes just the best <laughs> like well um, and i think that yeah. the songs are narratively different this time is very introspective like i'm yes. saying goodbye to this place I'm, I'm holding on but i'm saying goodbye and i'm going on whereas i lived is an anthem that everyone can kind of it's for everyone to say we did the story and with every broken bone we lived like we lived we had a life. This was our story. And it kind of reminds me of that moment when coach beast or when pocket coach beast were talking in the quarterback. And I don't remember which one of them says it, but this is something about like that. I think it was pot clearly talks about the line between the years. And he's like, that is where he lived. Like that's when Finn lived with that yeah. line. And that's what this song mm-hmm. reminds me of. Like that is where we lived. Um, and then you, you know, cut to the, to the pictures of mm-hmm. Finn and, yeah. 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 yeah they do the. I like the final bow. That is, uh, you know, a way to say in musical tradition, you know, it's a final bow. You take a bow and you take the bow. fade back and then you fade to black like the old school movies. It, it is very much a nod to theater culture. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's well, and also not to don't stop believing because they did bow at the end of that, too. Um I actually wanted to ask you guys, like, seeing as we're at the very end, you know, because Glee, I think people often forget that it's meant to be a comedy. (laughs) um, Do you guys have a favorite joke of the show? Like, is there one joke that you kind that like stands out to you and you're like that, that has got to have the top spot? Yes. I do. It's plot oh. twist. Lima doesn't have a zoo. Why did we think it did? <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> I think my my one my one has got to be. I just it it was just so out of nowhere and so perfect. It was when Marley's mom comes to Sue and she's like, "I wanted to thank you for everything that you did for Marley and me." And she says, "I have no idea what you're talking about. I had nothing to do with the making of that movie. I can't even say it with a straight." <laughs> I had nothing to do with the making of that movie. No, that's unique. Just being plot twist. Lime Zoo. Why do we think it did? Despite the fact that Lime Zoo has been mentioned on the local news several yeah. times, and Kitty's reaction of like, oh, I don't know. I think that someone gifted that on Tumblr. They were like, uh, rogue yeah. lions at Lime Zoo, and then it's like, why do we think it did? I don't know. Maybe because Rod Remington mentions it every day. <laughs> Oh, but also man. just any, but no, but just any, any hair joke. It's like any hair joke between Sue and Will is just forever a win. Uh-huh. I think, I think the one that was the most famous for a while, it, it, it actually wasn't even a hair joke. It was something about her buying him a kitten and letting him fall in love with that. <laughs> yes. Kitten. And one day she'll yeah. sneak into his house and punch him. In the face. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I really like the um, "You smell homeless." That was. Oh yeah, that's a good one. You smell homeless. Brett. Homeless yeah. breath. <laughs> well, here we are at the end, and and I guess my final thoughts because we are just as everybody knows, this is not our final episode of the podcast yet. We do have a couple more. Um, but since we're at the end, what do you guys think of this as the ending for the show? I think it was a great ending. It's a loaded question for 2 a.m. So, um, like, the, oh, it's 2 a.m. there? Oh, fun. Uh, um, I was going to say well, it's that... It's 1.36, sorry. <laughs> we'll get it wrapped up soon. Don't worry. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> um, so, the year previous to that was the... Um, how I Met Your Mother final finale, mm-hmm. oh, God, which um, lives in infamy as one of the worst finals that I've ever seen, finales that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so Glee's was just so much better than that. I'm like, yes, look at this. This is how you're supposed to do it, where you're paying tribute to the fans and the culture and everything that has brought you there, but you're not so absorbed in... In your own hubris. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes. So, compared to compared to that, I thought it was great. But really, it, it it is one of my favorite ways, favorite stories to end of how much at the end they just showed their love for what they had done mm-hmm. for those years. And that it felt like such a gift to us. I agree. I mean, truthfully, it has been a very long time since I watched the finale, but I think it definitely feels better for me as like a double feature with 2009, because I think what I loved was the callback. Because, again, seasons, you know, four, five and six were, were great in like a storytelling way, perhaps. But for me, I have just the nostalgia factor for season two specifically because that's when I started. Well, that was the season that had just ended when I started watching in that hiatus, like the glorious summer Mm -hmm. of 2011. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, whenever we got those kind of flashbacks to when they had were first meeting and when Kurt was still closeted like that and then followed with, the um dreams come true was yeah just absolutely perfect for me again i think if we're talking about just like clane specifically i think many of us would have said yeah perhaps we would have done things little little differently but that would have obviously not just been in this episode it might have been like in a couple episodes leading up to it but yeah it's it's just uh it's it is the perfect end to a journey and i think probably it's one of those things where I know that when it ended, I was I was sad, but I was also kind of like, okay, they can't mess it up anymore. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, I think a lot like, of people were relieved that way. That was that was honestly like, and I and I guess it's kind of sad. Like that was my kind of thing with the show in general and with Clay. And I was like, okay, they're married. They can't they can't fuck with them anymore. <laughs> they can't fuck with them anymore. To that's be it, honest that's with you, that's a little bit why I'm okay with them not in the reboot too. I'm like, I am yeah. happy with this ending. I and am satisfied. <laughs> I don't need them to come back and have Ryan Murphy have had them, given them a divorce or something. Cause you know, that's what he'd do. No, and uh, he'd do. And like, and, oh yeah. So I'm happy. I, you know, it isn't like, I don't think it's a finale that is, the most shocking and twisting and, you know, triumphant and whatever ending that's ever been on 
on television, but I do think that it does everything. It did everything that it needed to do for a finale. Mm -hmm. I think it closed up the emotional arcs that we started with. Well, the ones that people wanted to see. (laughs) Um, And you got a happy ending for everybody. And was it perfect? No, the show's always been imperfectly perfect, perfectly imperfect. I don't yeah. know, but it's a very cardboard cutout finale for a fairly cardboard cutout premise for a show, which is still really incredible, and we love it, and we love the characters. But yeah, it's funny when you kind of compare it to other stuff. Like I don't even watch a lot of. TV shows that are happening at the moment but I think of like these Netflix shows and these shows that are like meticulously planned out and like you know written and then I think of the Glee finale and I'm like yeah they just kind of were like what's the most generic thing we can do <laughs> like let's do it and it's still beautiful and it and I think really it wasn't put like I don't think that the finale was really there for the story it was just there for the fans wasn't it like that yeah. was really it mm-hmm yeah, it was a way. Like I said, they ended the show in goodbye. They ended the show in new directions. They ended the show when we built this Glee Club. This is just kind of this epilogue. There's not really a plot to this particular episode. Um, it's just a bunch of scenes, kind of put together, and it's kind of like, okay, this is Will's ending. This is Kurt and Blaine's ending. This is Mercedes ending. This is Rachel's ending. This is the Glee Club ending. Like that's yeah. basically what it is. That's all it is, and that's fine. I don't think. This is kind of like, you know, when you get to Lord of the Rings and you have, like, the ten endings and, like, it's just, that's what it is. It's the ending of a very, very, very long story. And it's okay. It doesn't have particular, you know, narrative, like, conflict resolution like a TV show normally does. It's fine. Um, Yeah. It's really, like, interesting for me to come on and, like, talk about Glee, which is such a... Like you said, just not really a very crafted show because I'm in the middle of, like, I've got new fandom fever. Like, I'm in the middle of getting into a new fandom, which is, like, a like really meticulously crafted storytelling. And I'm just like, ah, Glee, this, is, this was a simpler time. <laughs> like, this was such a simpler time. It's like, ah, just fluff and songs and, ah, I, ah, I miss it so much sometimes. I really do. Yeah. So... Um, so let's wrap it up a little bit. Um, I don't know. Final thoughts. Maybe those were our final thoughts. All right. So I'll wrap it up. <laughs> I think those um, might have been our final thoughts. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, like I said, um, the couple of closing things, this was kind of crazy that I, I've done an, an episode for all of the episodes of Glee now. Um, wow. It's, it's yeah. I mean, not one. You know, a bunch of them we we pushed together, but we talked about every single every episode single of the show, every single arc, every single curtain blade moment. Good lord, there's a lot of them, but we did it. Uh, we not reached an ending. <laughs> um. So uh, the show is not over a little bit. We are going to be on a little bit longer. We do have some more fun wrapping up kind of stuff for you to come. Um, but, uh, TBD will have a finale coming up soon. And in a couple of weeks, you'll get to hear the big ending of our show, which is kind of crazy, but, um, announcing it here for the first time that the, it is what we are doing and TBD will be closing. Um, I want to say, first of all, thank you to you guys, particularly Julie and Roxanne for coming on and doing this finale with me. And you're welcome. Um, everybody that's been on and everybody that listens, I, I am so appreciative of everything that, this podcast has given me and um 
we do just a shout out. We do have a discord channel up. I hope that you come and talk to us. Um, I will reblog the links for you guys, but uh, definitely come listen to us. Come drop us a line. We, we, we don't hear from you guys very often, but um, we will be, you know, like to hear that um, next Sunday in true fashion. I don't know what's next, <laughs> um, but there will be, like I said, we have a handful of like, final episodes that we will be doing so um the show's not over yet but we're we're coming to a close too and um and thank you so much for the podcast because i can tell you as a as an avid listener and even before i was fortunate enough to be uh guesting for the third time which is crazy um i like i said i've been a huge fan of the podcast it kind of made me like have hope that there is still a glee fandom there because i just kind of thought it just died like that there was no one left and it's just like to still hear people talking like with such interest about kurt and blaine and still caring so much and it, there are some things that i just like had never noticed or i was looking at things differently and honestly like every time an episode would air i would just be like i would go out for a hike like specifically so i could just like be on my own and listen to like you guys talk about clean so it's just like the just the best gift for a glee fan like especially at the when there's not many of us left it's just what you guys do on this podcast is such amazing work so thank you so much for still sticking with it and i know how difficult it is because i also run one so i know that it's fucking hard work it's really yeah, I, I apologize for the early seasons and the bad audio oh man i'm so glad that i got that. i actually haven't listened to anything prior to um never been kissed for obvious reasons because well. i'm just like no because i'm just like <laughs> oh, i just can't like with how sad he is and i know that better stuff yeah. is coming and so i just started with never been kissed i was like Blaine is here. It's all fine. Um, but yeah, thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, just as a shout out uh, to Day Dream Believers Fic. Um, that blog will always remain open. I have no, no, I'm not shutting that down. Um, so the fic will always be there. The Discord channel will be up, so there'll be people talking about it, even as the blog itself runs down. So, um, Glee fandom will never really die in our hearts. Um, but sometimes it is time to say goodbye and move on. So on that note, um, I wish you guys have a wonderful Sunday night and I will see you guys later. But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar And